Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we are talking about season seven, episode one of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Day One of 22,000, Give or Take. Another nice long title. A lot of new characters, immediate drama. Uh, it's like the tomb vampires, if they didn't have a slay of a leader and they had a couple gays. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's interesting because it does give very much tomb vampires. Yeah. Which I guess, yeah, we haven't done in a while, so fine. Yeah. So far this episode, the broad strokes are pretty much a rehash of the tomb vampires. If our heroes gave the tomb vampires the town right away. It's kind of tomb vampires, kind of originals. I think this is an attempt at originals because they're they're all British and it's like all this, you know, interpersonal drama between them. Yeah, you can see, again, the way that, like, Kai was a return to form for villains like Klaus and Catherine, the heretics are attempting to be a return to form for the originals, like a dysfunctional group, kind of funny. You can immediately tell, and we'll talk about the heretics at length, you can immediately tell who the fan favorite heretics are. Yeah. I mean, I I don't have to say it. It's, it's Nora, Nora and Mary Louise. Yeah. Mostly Nora. Nora's that bitch. Nora is that bitch. Like, I can't be mad at her. Valerie, suck it the fuck up. Don't even get me started on Valerie. <laughs> and we have so much more to learn about Valerie's ass. Yeah. And Malcolm, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, Malcolm. You are the Finn. You were giving Finn since the beginning. You were giving creepy looking dude who's a mama's boy. And a mama's boy doesn't last long for Miss Lily. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, much to get into. Before we get into it, here's a quick ad. I'll start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki, and I'll also mention this is the beginning of chapter one of season seven. Obviously, it's the first episode of season seven. This first chapter, do you want to guess what it's called? Is it the heretics chapter? It certainly is. Thank God, finally got one. (laughs) I know, you nailed it. I didn't get a single name, but I got that. (laughs) Well, you never get a name. And to be fair, getting a name is like shooting fish in a barrel. Like, you're just not going to get it. Oh, wait, isn't it easy to shoot fish in a barrel? I don't know. I mean, I had six names. I thought getting one wasn't a crazy hope, but well, I was never going to guess Mary Louise. Okay, let's say that. Yeah. And you were never going to guess Oscar. Never going to guess Oscar. You know, the one I'm mad about is Nora because I used my baby name note for the girls' names and I have Nora on that note. So I could have said it. It was within your grasp. But not quite. Not quite. Maybe next time. Here is the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. After a twisted plan left the life of his girlfriend Elena linked to that of his best friend Bonnie, Damon, why are they telling it? (laughs) Like, we don't know who these people are. Damon is forced to navigate his new reality without the love of his life. A newly empowered Bonnie has decided that she will be Damon's moral compass. Who said that? (laughs) And keeps a close eye on him as he, in turn, cautiously keeps tabs on Alaric, following the loss of his fiancée, Josette Laughlin. Meanwhile, as he waits for Caroline to sort out her emotions, Stefan takes an active role in protecting the town from Lily and her family of heretics, failed, <laughs> who have wasted no time wreaking havoc in Mystic Falls. Actually, they did waste some time, but we'll get into it. <laughs> Elsewhere, Enzo struggles to find his place in Lily's new life and is quickly forced to decide where his true loyalties lie. Finally, with the stakes higher than ever, I wouldn't say that. I have a lot of commentary on this synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> really sets the stage for the season, I fear. <laughs> Doesn't it? Matt, who has recently completed his deputy training program, 
teams up with Stefan and Caroline to put a stop to the heretics, but an unexpected turn of events leaves one of them in a dangerous position. We open the episode in Brooklyn, New York, three years from now. So there is a time jump. You said one to two years, and it's three, so you were pretty close. Yeah. I I mean, I consider it wrong, but I, I had evidence for one to two years, so... You did. Um, I also consider it wrong, but I wanted to be supportive. That's, it's okay. You don't have to lie. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I didn't lie. I said you were close. Yeah. I didn't say you were right. In, you know, three years from now, Stefan opens up a shipping container. And in that shipping container, there are two coffins. He opens one and Damon is there, but desiccated. Yeah. I immediately assume the other coffin is Elena. I think that's a fair assumption. Stefan feeds Damon some blood from a blood bag and said, Damon, wake up. I need you to wake up. Wake the hell up. And then Damon does wake up. He like sits up really suddenly from the coffin. Very vampire-y. We don't check in on that for a while because we're doing a time jump, but we're also in the present. So this is setting the scene for how we're going to spend a chunk of season seven is going back and forth between the present and three years from now. Eventually, as you can assume, we will move completely to three years from now yes we're doing a 36 hours later situation like how'd they get in that situation yeah you might be wondering how i got here yeah i'm wondering bitch i i have a lot of questions you'll only get more of them i'll tell you that look i don't want to inform your opinion and we can talk about expectations for season seven at the end of the episode but you can already tell there's a drop in quality here yeah i mean you can you can feel it all the love in the world. Yes. And it's still, again, the worst season of The Vampire Diaries is still a great season of television. Yeah. But it's hard because, you know, there are some shows that see casts leaving and you don't feel it. You feel the absence of Elena pretty quickly. Yeah. I think they do a good job trying to get around it, but it's just, Nito Brev has star power. Like, you have, you can't get around that. We go into present day and it's in the town square and Mystic Falls looks very bright and beautiful and happy. That will change. It's like purposely lit a lot lighter. It's the colors are vibrant and it's like, oh, that's that can't be a good sign. Because the last time we saw it like this was when like, yeah, the border was in place and we saw all the clips of like people laughing and having fun. And it's like, this can't be correct. Something's going to change here. Caroline is writing in her vampire diary. Because we'll remember that Elena told them to write literally everything down. And Caroline takes that to heart. She journals like three times today. She takes a lot of time to do her writing today. Yeah. And it is an eventful day, so I get it. Yeah. And this is also, you know, our introduction to a new season. It's helpful. It's a helpful tool. Caroline says, Dear Elena, a few weeks ago you said goodbye and told us to write everything down so you'd feel like you didn't miss anything when you woke up. Bad news first. Damon said the best way to keep his mind off you was to help Alaric grieve. So in Damon fashion, he kidnapped Rick and flew him to Europe for a guy getaway. I'm sure you can imagine how that's going. We go over to Europe. Damon and Alaric are chugging beers. The crowd is chanting. Caroline narrates, obviously we didn't send them there without a chaperone. And then Bonnie comes up with a big bottle of water and says, drinking now. So Bonnie can't have any fucking fun? Yeah, so Bonnie's just babysitting two grown men. Can't they babysit themselves? They they live most of their lives drunk. Why does Bonnie have to not have fun? Yeah, I feel like Bonnie's just there to be like, Damon, you're supposed to be the, the center point here. Meanwhile, Alec's sipping back water and Damon doesn't even notice. So exactly. Caroline 
So Damon's watching out for Lorek. Bonnie's watching out for Damon. And I don't know who exactly is watching out for Bonnie. And again, I say, fuck you, Julie Pleck. No one ever is watching out for Bonnie. And that's the issue. And also, speaking of not watching out for Bonnie, bad wig again. We walked back. Offensive fucking wig. This is rude. Give her the bob again. The bob was working. I'm sorry. Now you have two girl stars and you can't even afford a good wig for it. Your, your Nina hair budget is, is free. Get a better wig. You don't have to put on Catherine's weave anymore. Now that the budget thing is obviously open, it's clearly just racist. It was racist before, by the way, but now it's like you can't even hide. Like, oh, well, we're just spending so much money on the other hair. No. It is. It is fucked up. Get her a hairstylist. It pisses me off. Caroline narrates, Matt will officially be Deputy Donovan next week when he graduates. We see him running with his squad, all of whom will be dead by episode end. Yeah. Caroline narrates, as happy as I am for him, a big part of me wishes my mom was here to see it. The town council gave her a bench. Caroline is on the bench. It says, in loving memory of Sheriff Elizabeth Forbes. Whoa, a whole bench? That town council. Guys, <laughs> calm down with the generosity. Liz Forbes sacrificed so much of her life for this council. And they give her a bench? Put her name on a building. Name the fucking, like, police department building after her. Yeah. Caroline says, I've been visiting it, the bench hoping I'll miraculously start missing her less. I keep thinking if I can heal, I can move on with my life, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. We see Stefan approach. Because that's what she's referring to. (laughs) Yeah, he's wearing a t-shirt that matches his eyes. Costumer went off. Mm -hmm. Caroline journals. Anyway, I covered Damon, Bonnie, Rick, Matt. Who am I missing? And then Stefan, who's been standing there already, says, what are you writing? She said, don't you know what a vampire diary looks like? (laughs) It's my vampire diary. You're not the only one who has a diary anymore, bitch. She says, what are you doing here? And Stefan says, oh, well, Matt reported some blood bags missing from the hospital, so I thought I'd check it out. And Caroline says, do you think it's your mom? And he says, well, if it's not, then she has quite literally dropped off the face of the earth, and I'm still deciding if that's good or bad. Yeah, before he brought up his mom, I was like, why would Matt report blood bags being missing to you? Like, doesn't he know who did it? (laughs) But then I was like, oh, yeah, there's this other bitch in the the mix. (laughs) Yeah. Caroline says, so how's Damon? Classic Caroline question. Yeah. Stefan says, oh, well, if the last time he sat around for decades waiting for a girl taught us anything, then I am worried. And she says, well, if you're worried, I'm terrified. And then they sit there in silence awkwardly. Because they're like, we don't know what to do with this. Stefan sits down. He's like, I'm going to get to business here. He says, I made this a thing, didn't I? Now, you know, you did. Obviously. To be fair, she kind of made it a thing first, but you made it more of a thing to be certain. Yeah. Caroline plays dumb. I don't know why she thinks this will work. She says, you made what a thing. She just wants to hear him say that he likes her again. Yeah, she's like, what What did you say that would affect me like that? I don't remember. You should remind me. Could you repeat it word for word? <laughs> and I've got a recorder going, so, you know, it is for prosperity. So speak into this. He says, I told you how I felt about you and now it's weird. And she says, no, it's not weird. She says, I'm actually being completely normal, as usual. Stefan says, you just asked about my brother, who you hate, to fill awkward silence. (laughs) And she said, well, I don't hate Damon. Uh, I'm just, okay, obviously, yes, I am scrambling to fill the awkward silence. Yes, it is a thing. You made it a thing. Congratulations. Stefan says, how about this? New rule. You live your life. You heal. And in the meantime, we're just friends. I have a rule. I'm a counteroffer. Just date? 
I have a counteroffer. Stop that and kiss. I'm over the conflict. We had our fun. We did the back and forth. We did the, I don't know if I'm ready. Okay. It's it's a new season. We're ready now. Everyone's ready. We're ready. It's season seven. Let's get to business. I'm sorry. I need to see a wedding. So let's start dating so I can get to the wedding. Yeah. Caroline says, I like that rule. And they're like, okay, great, blah, blah, blah. He says, happy writing. And she says, thanks. And he goes. And Caroline returns to her vampire diary and says, as I was saying, things are great. I was like, well, that's not going to fucking last. I mean, I couldn't get past the lighting of the town, like how it looks so colorful. I was like, this this is going to turn bad. Yeah, it doesn't take a genius. As Stefan walks away, we see him walk past a girl writing in her vampire diary. But it's someone we don't know. Mm -hmm. But here's what she says. She says, dear diary, I'm in hell. And so I was like, well, heretic alert. Yeah. (laughs) She says, it's hard to imagine a place worse than where I've come from. But by some spectacular miracle, I found it. So this is Valerie. She's the first heretic we meet. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to open her IMDb, of course. Valerie is very clearly supposed to be uh, way into the heretics. They're setting her up clearly in this first episode to be like the Klaus. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe not the Klaus. That's not a good, there's not really a Klaus in the heretics, I don't think. But she's clearly our leader. I guess I understand you saying that. But to me, like, Nora is so the leader because she's so much more charismatic. What I'm saying essentially is that, like, they're clearly setting Valerie up to be the leader without taking into account who the fan favorite will be, which is obviously going to be Nora. And let's face it, look at the Vampire Diaries fan base. The lesbians are going to be the fan favorite, all the love in the world. Yeah. But clearly they're setting Valerie up to be kind of like, they're trying to set her up to be like the top heretic. I mean, in the beginning, even last episode, the season finale, when Lily calls out for Valerie and Malcolm. Yeah, those are her favorites. And Malcolm ain't her favorite anymore. Let's just say that. And Lily's taste, weird. Let's say that. So clearly Valerie is supposed to be like our way in to heretic psyches because we meet her first. Valerie is played by an actress named Elizabeth Blackmore. I saw that name in the credits and it looked familiar to me. It did sound familiar to me too, but I don't know why. She's she's acting. She's here. What people might know her from, I'm just scrolling to find. She was in six episodes of Supernatural. She's been in like a couple episodes here and there of like Shameless... She was in an episode of Once Upon a Time. Listeners of the podcast, me and Stephanie are currently watching Once Upon a Time. (laughs) Just started getting into that. So that's just something interesting. Yeah. What season is it? Season six. Okay. For those of you who are listening, who care, if you care, (laughs) I don't mind seeing spoilers. So it's okay that I'm seeing spoilers for Once Upon a Time because I don't really care. But I'm still avoiding them for fun. This is good because I can protect Stephanie from Once Upon a Time spoilers too. (laughs) What I think most people would know her from, if they know her from anything, is she was in 2013's Evil Dead movie. Okay. Which I think was kind of popular. I don't actually know what the response to that was. I feel like I see both consensus of it, that it's like people are either like, oh, it's so underrated, or people are like, it was horrible. And I've not seen it, so I can't weigh in. And then she was in, you know, a couple other things, Legend of the Seeker, whatever that is. So she doesn't have like a super robust filmography but she does have an upcoming film and she does a lot of indie stuff yeah so that is elizabeth blackmore valerie's our first heretic we meet it does kind of set the stage and we meet the other heretics shortly after so we'll get to them 
And I can't blame her for being a little pissy. I'd be pissy too. I'd hate this too. I'm sorry. This is the same way I felt about the tomb vampires. And I still feel the same way about this too. Is like, I guess I get why Lily wants to trap these people. And I guess I get it more why these people are staying together more than I understood the tomb vampires. Like Frederick didn't even like Pearl. Why was he living in that damn house and following her rules? I get that like all of these people have mommy issues attached to Lily. So yeah, that's why they're living in her house following their rules. It's a little bit more psychological. Yeah. And I do think they're more dangerous than the tomb vampires. So maybe that's why it's more important. But also it just kind of feels like if I got out of the prison world, I'd be like, well, I have a cell now. I'll see you when I see you. Yeah, I understood the tomb vampires more because at least they like had a common goal that they wanted revenge on the town. And Pearl's whole thing was like, let's like not blow our spot up before we kind of know what our plan is. And I'm smarter than all of you, so I'll be the leader. And I'm, you know, world's biggest Pearl stan. Yes, exactly. So, you know, Lily's not holding a candle to Pearl in my eyes. No one could. Literally, Pearl ran so Lily could stumble. I mean, (laughs) yeah, so Lily could crawl. But whatever, she's doing her thing. But like these heretics, like you've been in a prison world for 100 years in the Salvatore house. And now your big reward is you're in the new Salvatore house. Like, I understand that she doesn't want them killing a bunch of people. But like, they don't all have to stick together. Like, Nora, Mary Louise, go be cutie lesbian somewhere fun. Everybody else, I really don't give a shit where you go. I mean, I'm I'm hyper fixated on the lesbians. I can't I can't overstate that. Yeah. Well, that is what's crazy is like they spent a prison world alone, not interacting with the outside world in the Salvatore house. And now they're moving into the Salvatore house in a town where no one lives. So how is this better than the prison world? And Valerie does seem to be reckoning with that here. Yeah. Valerie clearly hates this. Well, because if they lived in a bigger town, they could murder people without being caught as fast. So it's kind of like, why don't we go live somewhere where we can kill people? And to be fair to them, you know, I know they're like selling it to us. The show is selling it to us as like, they kill with no remorse. They're not killing out of nowhere. Yeah, they were pretty just, I mean, they were pretty justified in the one kill. Obviously the big event later, they didn't need to kill all those people. I do think they like take it a little far, but they're not doing it like unprovoked and randomly. Yeah. Like, I do think, is their reaction maybe bigger than deserved? Absolutely. Well, it also just looks bigger, not to get ahead of ourselves, but because they're using fire. Like, yeah, a fire and people burnt up looks more intense than like, I don't know, two people for each of them to eat. Yeah. And it doesn't, again, it's not really about the feed for them, obviously, because they are still mostly living off meager rations of blood. We'll get to that. Yeah, that would piss me off too. I mean- It's just interesting. This is an interesting dynamic because like Pearl being in charge of the tomb vampires made sense Mm -hmm. because she was like respected in town before they went in and she's the smartest of them. Yeah. Lily is just the best at giving everyone mommy issues. Well, like at least Pearl like was able to control Frederick. Like, yeah, Frederick still got out a couple times, but like she scared his ass back in the house. These people, she left for one day. They all fucking went insane. Like, what exact power do you have over them, Lily? Exactly. So it kind of feels like Lily is giving mommy issues, but not being the leader. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Pearl was being the leader and they had their own issues with her, but it was on a it was on a personal level. Well, because the problem, too, I think, 
Lily wants so badly to be a mother to these people. Lord knows why. Because she doesn't want to be a mother to her actual sons. To the point that, like, she's willing to offer these people unconditional love. Even when they kill a huge portion of the town, she's still like, well, that's my family. It's like, your love kind of needs to be conditional sometimes. Yeah, it's... It's weird, girl, that you're this into being a mother of this random group of people, particularly Malcolm. I mean, I'll I'll get into Malcolm more, but I don't fuck with him. Yeah, didn't fuck with him. (laughs) Didn't fuck with him, won't fuck with him, bye. But, like, you want to be a mother, fuck the kids you you had, you want to choose your own family, sure. Choose your own family. This is who you picked? I know. And I mean that with so much love. Well, and so much love in her heart, but that's my thing is, like, they don't respect her. The only time they follow her rules is when they are in her eyeline. Yeah. They don't even care if she finds out that they break the rules later. Because what's she going to do? Ground them? They're already grounded. <laughs> and they didn't want her to find out that Malcolm died, but it was like, well, she'll be mad that he died. Like, not that they did anything. It's just, it's unclear what the point of them is. <laughs> I think that's fair. Well, and you can see, this is what's interesting about the heretics, and I do think they're more interesting than the travelers, because you can see we're trying some things here. Yeah. We're trying to do, like, tomb vampire originals, like, family. Like, I get the kind of things we're aiming at here, but I'm not sure it's working. Well, and here's, here's, I think, the main issue with it, which we haven't really got to in the episode yet, but... The originals worked, because even though we did get this kind of cast of characters in the family... We met them over time. We're given like six new characters. And it's like, and this one's the crazy lesbian. This one's the guy that never talks. This one's the weird looking dude. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, that's a lot of information for me to gather right this moment. And that's the other problem with meeting them all at once. Because like the originals, it allows you to like develop a favorite over time. Or like have someone to compare it to. So you're already kind of on Elijah's side. You meet Klaus. We dig into that relationship. We meet Rebecca, but we're not really dealing with Elijah at that point. So we're dealing with like Klaus and Rebecca's relationship and how it relates Mm -hmm. to Stefan. But right now it's like none of these people have relationships with anyone we know but Lily, who, you know, Lily's kind of iconic in a way, but not in a way that like I care about her relationship with these people. And the relationships that Lily has with them, A, not individualized and B, not really interesting. Yeah. It's like, oh, I love them. Lily kind of has the same relationship with all of them. Yes, which we're already exploring with Enzo, more interestingly, because we care about Enzo. We don't give a fuck about any of these people yet. And there's no reason for them to stay in town. And we don't really even get the sense that any of them are, like, really besties. Like, we obviously get the sense that Nora and Mary Louise like each other because they're lesbians. Yeah. I wish there was a ticker of how many times we're going to say the word lesbian in this episode. (laughs) I mean it with all the love in the world. I'm so excited to have a little lesbian couple. And we talked about this when Luke got introduced, like, this show is so not gay for so much of it. And then all of a sudden they're like, fine, here's some lesbians. And I think Julie Pleck truly underestimated how much people would like the lesbians. Yeah, because look, a gay character is one thing, but Luke wasn't giving much and Glee was on the air. Like if we're looking for a little gay boy, we have a little gay boy, but we do not have solid lesbians. And we also never saw Luke with another man. Yeah, not once. He was only gay in theory. Yeah, he mentioned that he went on dates, but like we never saw anything. Exactly. The lesbian representation on TV shows at this point was abysmal and still is abysmal. 
Yeah, it's a drought. They're always dying and shit. We had Santana and Britney, and this is, from my first impression of them, kind of Santana and Britney. I mean, Mary Louise isn't Britney, but Nora is clearly Santana. Yes. And we saw how fucking crazy Britannia stands went, and I was with them. But, you know. This was, I mean, this was lesbian representation at the time, was all it was was, like, shades of Santana and Britney. Well, and it was like, look, lesbians, and they're both hot. They're like, it's very comfortable for everyone because everyone's hot. Yeah. And it's like, people can be hot and also not feminine, but whatever. Let's not eat. That's that's a can of worms we're not opening on a Vampire Diaries podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but this was like the pinnacle of lesbian representation that you could get in 2016, 2017. And particularly, there's a lot of queer fans watching the Vampire Diaries. There were straight ones too, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's like, the fan base was hankering for queer representation. And anyway, the point I started at the beginning of this is... <laughs> We can tell that, like, Mary and Louise and Nora, their relationship is clear, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's unclear what their relationship is to Valerie, like, if they like each other or not. They kind of do, kind of don't. There's no inkling of anyone's relationship to Bo. We get a hint of it with Valerie. Yes. And then we also get a hint of Valerie's relationship with Malcolm. So, again, that's why Valerie is clearly set up to be, like, the central heretic, because she has the meatiest relationship with everyone but it's not meaty in any case. Like none of these relationships are meaty except honestly, Nora and Mary Louise. And I mean, that this is their introduction. So perhaps we will learn more about their relationship. Yeah. But it's the only relationship I'm intrigued by in this house. Yes. And none of them have any connection to the people outside this group in our group that we know of at this time. Perhaps there will be some who can say. So anyway, Valerie hates this. So she yeah. says... <laughs> In the weeks since I've arrived, three things are clear. The food is literally made of poison. The air smells like a plague. And everyone wants to know what everyone else is doing. She's walking through town. She's scrolling through her phone. And she is being bombarded with texts from Lily. She hasn't quite figured out how to work a phone because enchanted baloney. So she's like accidentally highlighting stuff. Like she doesn't know what she's doing. She's frustrated. And so she says, I don't fit in here, nor do I want to. This is not the world I imagined. And as she's distracted by her phone, uh, she gets hit by a car and goes flying. And it's like, the car is moving. Like, it's not like he braked. It's not like he broke whatever. Yeah. The girl in the passenger seat runs out and says, oh my God, what did you do? Girl, he hit someone with his car. What do you think he did? <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. The driver comes out. His name is Stu, we find out, because the girl calls him Stu. And so Stu says, I didn't think she'd walk into the street so you saw her. So you saw her and didn't break. Who is this, Tyler Lockwood? Literally. <laughs> she says, Stu, we have to call 911. And he says, shut up and let me think. Not the response. N- no, <laughs> nothing to think about. You just hit a woman in broad daylight. Think about dialing 911. Yeah. He says, it's not like anyone saw us, right? Again, broad daylight. But also, you're in, like, an area with a lot of businesses. Someone has a surveillance camera. Yeah. The girl says, are you insane? We can't just leave her here. She's not moving. And the guy says, we just smoked a joint. I'm high as a freaking kite right now. Do you want me to go to jail? Let's go. He gets in the car. I mean, if you hit someone, yeah, I want you to go to jail. Like, if you killed a woman? I mean, I don't believe in the prison industrial complex, but in our current society as it stands... Yes. Yeah, you killed someone. We should you should atone for that in some way. <laughs> yeah. The guy gets in the car and the girl is like clearly 
you know, conflicted. And he honks at her. All you're doing is calling attention to the fact that you hit a woman when you honk. He is. I mean, he gets what's coming to him. How can I not side with the heretics about this? Yeah. The girl does follow reluctantly and they get in the car and drive off. Now, look, I get that you don't want the cops to like investigate you. I hear that. Call in anonymously. Yeah. Dumb behavior. And unfortunately, I'm sorry. Like, I can't blame the heretics for killing you. I'm not going to say you deserved it, but I'm not going to say you didn't. So they drive up. Valerie sits up, just totally and completely pissed. Because she's like, they just hit me and they're driving away? What the fuck? She narrates, as I was saying, complete and utter hell. Not that my family is making it any easier. So then we go over to the heretic house and we meet all the heretics. Mm -hmm. Lily is pouring blood from a teapot. That's kind of serving cute. Yeah, that's, that's cutie. I'm having fun. Valerie narrates, Lily sequestered us away in some musty abandoned house. Stoic Beau, Nora the Brat, the devious mental Mary Louise, and Malcolm, Lily's pet. So we'll count. That's five. We'll reference the sixth later. Yes. But let's go through all of them. We're going to go through their IMDb's and we're going to go through first impressions, even though I know it's the middle of the episode and we're inevitably going to be talking about their actions throughout the whole episode. Sorry about the structure, everybody. It's a lot of information. Yeah. So Stoic Bo. Handsome fella. He's handsome. But don't even get me started on really, Julie Pleck. You made the one black one, the mute. <laughs> the one, Julie Pleck. Come on. I need her to to figure some shit out. That is not serious. Okay, so Bo is played by an actor named Jaden Kane, who has a ton of acting credits. Do you want to guess how many upcoming projects he has? Like five? Eight. Oh, wow. He is working his little booty off. Good for him. What might you all know him from? I personally don't recognize him from anything, so I'm just looking through his IMDb. Mm-hmm. He was on a show called Long Slow Exhale. Never heard of it. It was on Spectrum Network. Didn't even know they were releasing originals. Everyone's releasing TV now, aren't they? He's been on like some, you know, whatever. East New York. NCIS White. He was on 30 episodes of Crank Yankers. He was a puppeteer. Oh, that's That's fun. fun. Interested in him. It's real crank phone calls to real victims and acted out by puppets. So he was a puppeteer. Love that. SWAT for life. You know, like a bunch of these type of procedurals yeah he was in hidden figures you might recognize him from that he played joshua coleman nine episodes of luke cage if you're into superhero stuff i mean he's got a chiseled face it's a good fit for a lot of that stuff yeah he's i mean he's very handsome and i will say he does do his best to make the most of his acting when he can't talk yeah he's he's giving emotion so he's been in a ton of stuff i'm not reading all of it because it's nothing i really recognize Mm mm-hmm you know, I, I get a good vibe from him. If I'm if I'm ranking, he's my favorite boy so far, which I guess it's just Malcolm and we haven't met Oscar, so that's easy. Yeah, it's easy to rank him. He's probably my third favorite, though, because I don't fuck with Valerie. Certainly. <laughs> he says he's best known for his gravel voice and intense screen presence. He does have an intense screen presence even without the voice. He certainly does. So Bo is mute. We don't learn much about Bo in the episode. We'll talk about his scar later. Yes. Nora the brat. I mean, look, she's taking it. She's taking it. She's obviously number one. She watched America's Next Top Model and took to heart. When you're in a group shot, you got to make yourself the center of attention. She is making herself the star of every heretic scene. She's also the one that I feel like is, 
I don't want to say doing something new because she is kind of the Rebecca, but she's she's giving her own twist to it. Like, I do think she's I think she's putting work in. Yes. And like, even if she is giving like the Rebecca role here, it's a good role and she's eating it up. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm standing a Rebecca type every time. I, You know, I'm a Rebecca stan. Yeah. I'll be a Nora stan. I don't doubt that. She's already the star. She is played by an actress named Scarlett Hefner. You guys might recognize her from Runaways, which was a Marvel show. The actress was, I think, formerly known as Scarlett Byrne. She's actually newly known as Scarlett Hefner. That's interesting. Okay, because I did see Byrne in the credits. Yeah, she's Byrne in the credits. She's in a couple other movies and stuff, but what probably most of you know her from, and I can't say I do because I'm not like this involved, she was in a number of Harry Potter movies. Oh. She played a character named Pansy Parkinson. Sure. She was in The Half-Blood Prince and both Deathly Hollows. Okay, so she got her check. Yeah, so she is someone. Yeah, I'm not a Harry Potter stan, so I, I couldn't relate to that, but good for her. That's a get. Yeah, good for her. And also, I think, I can't prove this. Let me look it up, actually. I think she's on the homepage of Outlook.com. Or she was. I think she's gone now. <laughs> I swear to God, I was looking at her a lot in COVID. I think that picture's gone. I'll never know if it was her. So that's Nora, too standable. And then the devious mental Mary Louise. Valerie came for her neck. What do you mean devious and mental? Yeah, she got two adjectives. <laughs> Pick one, girl. <laughs> she is played by an actress named Teresa Leanne. She's in an upcoming movie called Zombie Plane. Wonder what that's about. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> it's in the name. <laughs> it also has vanilla ice in it. Oh. Okay. Anyway. She's also been in TV movies, movies, shorts. I don't know if there's anything we'd recognize her from. Nothing I recognize her from anyway. But I like her. She's slang, so. She's an Australian actress also. They really pumped all the talent out of Australia for these, huh? Yeah, they really got some <laughs> Australian people. They said, Claire Holt, send us some friends. <laughs> yeah. Again, I mean, obviously, you can already see the wheels in motion for her to become more of a fan favorite. Yeah. She's doing her best with what she's got. I do think they give her a pretty similar personality to Nora. Yeah. And unfortunately, Nora's kind of eating her up right now. So hopefully they diverge. Yeah. I mean, at this point, she's kind of, she seems like a fan favorite just by association to Nora, which is not a bad yeah. thing, but it would be fun for her to get her own space. And then, of course, Malcolm, Lily's pet. <laughs> yeah. Pet rat. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this actor. <laughs> you are not, you're not a Malcolm fan. No, he something about him. He kind of looks like if Kieran Culkin was even weirder looking like a Kieran Culkin, David Tennant baby. Sure. I see that. He's played by an actor named Justice Leak. What a name. You might actually know him because he was on six episodes of The Staircase. Did you watch The Staircase? The HBO one? Yeah. I watched the beginning. I didn't finish it. What is his name on The Staircase? Tom Maher. Oh, he's one of the lawyers for the guy who definitely killed his wife, by the way. Sure. <laughs> what else was he in? Five episodes of something called Raising Dion. Looks like an animated show. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Swamp Thing. Yeah. Who <laughs> was he? The Swamp Thing? I'm being so mean to this guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was a cop in Swamp Thing. But that I, I set you up for that. Yeah. We got a laugh. 
He was in Supergirl, two episodes, with her boy Chris Wood. Maybe not with Chris Wood, but same show. Oh, he was in Insurgent, one of the Divergent things, but he was not a big character. He was Amity Divergent Husband. Sure. So, but I did watch that. Oh, he was in a he was in a short called Officer Wanker, Worst Responder. <laughs> and he played Officer Wanker. The Matt Donovan story. <laughs> the oh, sorry, that made me laugh so hard. Oh, and he was in the original Officer Wanker too. Oh, another short uh, where he again played Officer Wanker, the titular role. Yeah, he's got some work. Yeah, he's been working mostly being like creepy guys or cops, honestly. And fair enough. That's kind of what his face gives. Anyway, so that's the Heretics. Quite a motley crew. Quite a motley crew. I guess that's the best way to say it. Obviously, we'll learn more about some of them. We're not going to learn any more about Malcolm than what we learned in this episode. <laughs> this is kind of the thing about the Vampire Diaries, too. And I get the temptation to have a group of villains like the originals. Mm-hmm. But they know that we don't have time to get to know all these people. So yeah. to do that, they made one of them mute and made one of them die the first time they show up. Why didn't you just only have three of them? Well, I think they wanted the drama of someone dying. But yeah, you could have just left one out. This literally would have worked fine with Nora, Mary Louise, and Valerie being the only ones who come back. Yeah. And honestly, I'd cut Valerie too, but I get I get the purpose she serves. Yeah. At least so far. So we'll notice that that's five heretics. We know there were six in the prison world. Mm-hmm. we talk about him later. Malcolm says, oh, no blood for me, Lily. I've already had my ration today. Over narration, Valerie says, the brown noser. Mm-hmm. I know that's right. Um, Nora says, what a saint you are, Malcolm, sarcastically. Um, this is ludicrous. And Mary Louise says, you know, Nora's right. How long are we to live on three sips a day? It's that prison world all over again, astutely put. Yeah. Lily says, Bo's not complaining. And Mary Louise says, Bo's mute. <laughs> Poor Bo. <laughs> Dastardly. Dastardly, what they do to him. Yeah, for a second, I was like, is that a joke or is he literally mute? But he is just mute. Yeah. Malcolm says, and here we thought we could have a family meal in peace. Care to join me for a game of backgammon while the lovebirds bicker? And I said, lovebirds? Your ears perked right up. You said, lesbians? <laughs> I said, it is actually crazy that it takes till season seven for us to meet a single lesbian. Yeah, for us to meet a homosexual couple. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, all the love in the world, Catherine must be bisexual. Oh, Rebecca's bisexual, 100%. Absolutely. And Rebecca's bisexual because she's just casting a wide net. She wants love any direction it'll come from. Whoever will love her, she will love. Yeah. <laughs> Not to speculate on the sexuality of characters, but let's... But those two are bisexual as hell. Yeah, let's just say it. And let's face it. So, I mean, I just think if you're alive for thousands of years and you only ever hooked up with one gender, I'm sorry, Klaus and Elijah, bisexual as well. Bisexual kings. Oh, yeah. No, Klaus, is, Klaus has hooked up with men. Absolutely. Certainly. The boys leave the ladies alone. And that's what it should be. I don't want these boys here. Get the fuck out of here. Let's keep it with the girlies. Enzo's the only boy involved in this. That's the thing. Let's trim the fat. This family would have been easier to tackle. And I get they wanted to kill someone. It would have been easier to tackle if we just had Lily, Valerie, Mary Louise, and Nora. And then Enzo's the guy who comes in. And and here's the story, even. I, I have it right here. Nora and Mary Louise in love. Lily cares so much about her quote unquote daughter Valerie. She's like, I'm going to find her someone to be in love with. That's why I'm getting Enzo. Absolutely. It writes it fucking self. That is so classic Lily. I'm sorry. Easy. Pilot done. 
Heretics Inn. We go over to Amsterdam, where the Europe contingent is right now. They're sitting at a cafe. Alaric and Damon are drinking beer, and Alaric seems very drunk. Mm-hmm. Seems being the operative word. Yeah. Uh, he says, I can't feel my cheeks. What are we drinking? And Damon says, oh, I don't know. Like, can you read German? And Rick says, actually, it's Dutch. He's like faking drunk, but he's like, well, I'm not going to be stupid about it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> drunk, not dumb. <laughs> Damon says, oh, where are we? And Bonnie, who's behind them at her own table. Because she's like, I'm not sitting with y'all. Yeah. She says, Amsterdam. She reads out loud while writing in her vampire diary, although for her it's a witch diary. She says, dear Elena, yep, halfway across Europe and they're still drunk. And Rick says, is that really necessary? (laughs) Bonnie says, Elena told me to keep a journal of everything she's missing. They really hit us over the head with this concept in this episode. No, we remember. We We got got it. it. They're writing a journal. Bonnie says, when she wakes up in 60 some odd years and finds out Rick died from alcohol poisoning, she's going to want to know what happened. I think she can put it together. I mean, yeah, she'll say alcohol poisoning. Yep. Sounds like it. Damon says, unless you tragically choke to death on those cocktail peanuts, then I can tell her myself. And Bonnie says, so sweet. Okay, I'm going to go rent a bike and see the city like a normal tourist. And Damon says, FYI, they don't wear helmets here. And Bonnie says, keeps getting funnier. I would be so pissed off sooner than she gets in this episode. I'd be like, you better stop making jokes about me dying. I'm okay with some of these jokes, but when she says keeps getting funnier, that's when they should have stopped. Yes. You can tell you're pushing her. She's like, ha ha, funny, but like, calm that down. That's when he should be like, okay, I've pushed that joke enough for today. Because it's funny for a bit. Yes. It's funny until you almost let her get hit by a truck. Then it's not so funny anymore. It's funny till it's like, "Mm, was that a joke? Yeah. (laughs) Damon says, hey, riding the tram tracks. Don't look both ways. And she says, got it. And she goes, she still has good spirits about it. Yeah. Alaric laughs and he says, oh, are you sure you don't want to go with her? Because he's trying to beat these two. He's trying to get free. Damon says, nice try. I'm not leaving you. And Alaric says, I don't need a babysitter, Damon. And Damon says, this isn't about what you need, Rick, actually. It's about what I need. Okay. (laughs) He says, keeping you from jumping off a cliff keeps my mind off the fact that my girlfriend's magical coma is linked to a Bennett witch that has a knack for avoiding permanent death. And Rick's like, oh, your girlfriend's in a coma? That must suck. Your girlfriend's not going to wake up for 60 years? My wife isn't going to wake up ever. Isn't going to wake up, period. Rick says, I see. So my misery is merely a convenient distraction for you. And Damon says, yep. And Rick says, okay. And then he says, I'm glad you're here, buddy. And they cheers. So they're having boys day. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like, fine. I'll, I'll drink more tea. I'll yeah. have to pee every 20 minutes, but I'll do it. <laughs> we go back over to the heretic house. Lily says, okay, I am headed to New York this afternoon to meet up with Lorenzo. I assume I have nothing to worry about. Nora says, oh, so you're allowed to explore the world while we're stuck here, starving ourselves, pretending like we're not the strongest people on the planet. Lily says, need I remind you how things used to be? And Mary Louise says, you mean when you loved us and allowed us to have actual fun? Lily says, our appetite for murder drew unwanted attention, forced us to run for decades at a time, and then put us in prison for 100 years. Our way of living did not work, Mary Louise. But if I'm Mary Louise, I'm counting with this. Who's going to put us in prison again? The Gemini coven is dead. Literally. I think we're safe. I think we're okay. Like, yeah, we might end up in like real prison, but we can get out of that in a second. I do think there's a happy medium to be found here between gratuitous murder and three ounces of blood a day. Yeah. I think we need to find that happy medium, Lily. Yeah, Lily, 
the rationing thing worked in the prison world because there literally wasn't blood to be had. Now there's endless blood for them to have. And this is the same mistake Pearl made. If you want them all to stay at home and you can tell they're like tenuous about it, you can't go out of town for the day. Yeah. They're going to leave. Yeah, you need to have a witch on hand to spell the house locked because otherwise, like, which of course wouldn't work in this case because they can do spells. But like, why do you think you can trust them with this? They're literally being like, no, you can't. Like, we think this is dumb. It's just like, well, I got to go. Plus, not to harp on it, Enzo later says that he was summoned to New York. So it's not like she's meeting him there. She could have summoned Enzo to Mystic Falls. Yeah. She was just craving a New York slice. (laughs) She just wanted to go to New York. Well, she wants to keep Enzo separate because she has her own rankings of these people. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's not even talk about that. Mary Louise says, now you want us to coexist. We know. We've heard your speech. And Nora says, well, what about Oscar? He's been gone for days running your errands. I highly doubt he's off living in secret. So Oscar is heretic number six. What are these errands he's running, do you think? Did you give this any thought? I gave a little bit of thought. I mean, he could be looking for this stone, even though if he was, why would she have Enzo do it? So I think I was assuming he was just like getting blood and like doing stuff for her. I don't know why he gets to be free. Yeah, great question. Maybe he's less of a ripper. Or maybe he's secretly the favorite. Do you think we're going to meet Oscar at any point? Yeah, because I guess we need fucking five of them. Like, it's too many. Yeah, it's a little much. There's a reason they capped the originals at essentially three. I mean, they had two others, but they were not really part of it. Exactly. Valerie returns home. Lily says, oh my God, Valerie, you're a mess. What happened? And Valerie says, some horrible teens plowed me down in their automobile. And Nora says, oh, dear, is their automobile okay? <laughs> Gagged. Gagged. <laughs> she's real. Mary Louise laughs because she's real. She said, that's my girlfriend. And Nora, way to already make a joke about cars, even though you just learned what they are. So slay for that. Oh, yeah. Nora is adjusting to this world with no enchanted baloney. She is ready, bitch. She is like Rebecca. That She's like, I can take selfies? Fuck yeah. I can take selfies and hold hands with my girlfriend? Sign me up. <laughs> Valerie says, the little monsters left me for dead. No apology, no call for help. I was roadkill, and what did I do? I acted like roadkill. Because we're governed by a pacifist who'd rather see her children hurt than stand up for themselves. So she's mad at Lily. Well, it's like, Lily's a pacifist? I don't know about that, guys. I know, it's like, what is the vibe with all of you? It's weird here. You guys trust her a whole heck of a lot. She literally was ripping, like, two days ago. Not that she'll ever tell them that. Yeah. Nora says, hey, Valerie, don't cry, okay? You're home now. You're with us. And Mary Louise says, yeah, who needs the rest of the world, right? We have each other. So at this point, it's like, oh, so you kind of all do agree with Lily's methods. Like, you actually do love each other. Yeah, so maybe you are happy to have it just be you. But then they're like, hmm, hungry, though. Yeah, mm, <laughs> but I want to kill someone. <laughs> Lily says, Valerie, you resisted your urge to fight back. That means you're learning. I'm proud of you. And Valerie goes. So Lily's out here giving mommy issues to Valerie now, too. We go over to the school loading dock. The boy and girl who hit Valerie with the car are washing the blood off the car. Again, in broad daylight at the school, there are so many alleys in this town. Yeah. You'd be in the same situation regardless of where you wash this car, probably. But just if you're trying to get away with a hit and run, there's some other stuff to think about. Exactly. Valerie appears and pushes the boy's head into the hood. Pretty much, I think, kills him right away. Yeah. There's a lot of blood. 
the blood really explodes. Valerie says, Mr. Spot. <laughs> kind of classic. The girl is, of course, scared. And so she tries to back away, but she runs into Nora and Mary Louise. And she says, oh, who are you? And Mary Louise says, oh, you remember that large squirrel you ran over this morning? Turns out that was our friend Valerie. And the girl says, <laughs> the thing is, you did look dead. Well, first of all, I was in the passenger seat. And second of all, I thought you were dead. So I didn't really think you'd come back to to bite me on this. I, rec- I recognize now that was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Valerie says, yeah, I get that a lot. The girl tries to run, of course, but Nora does a spell to open the corridor. So the girl runs into the corridor, falls to the ground. And then Mary Louise does a spell to drag the girl to them. Classic. They hold her up. And Mary Louise says, you're worse than your friend. You thought about doing the right thing, but then you just left her there. That is bad, but I don't think it's worse than the guy who suggested they leave. I mean, I do think it's worse that the guy, you know, didn't break when there was a pedestrian. But, you know, neither of these people are good. Yes, let's say that. Valerie, you know, puts her finger on the girl's blood, like licks her finger, has a little blood, and says, and yet you're the first thing in this town I don't entirely hate. And the girl's like, oh, how nice. No. Yeah. (laughs) And then Valerie violently feeds on this girl. Valerie breaks off and says, oh, Lily will be furious. And I think the girl's already dead at this point. And Nora says, Lily needs to learn that heretics aren't designed to coexist. And then Nora takes a selfie with the dead girl. Unbelievably real. Serve. I mean, I'm sorry. It's such a serve. It's funny. She's got a point. She's like, we are literally called heretics. Like, why would we be coexisting? That's clearly not our shit. And Valerie says in response to the selfie, she says, really, be more vain. And Nora says, if you were pretty, you'd be too. I mean, it's impossible to not stand. Yeah, she's too unbelievably standable. Nora drops the girl's body to the ground. A little bit later, we see Matt and Stefan walk up to what is now a crime scene in this area. The teens have been hung from the ceiling and their blood is like dripping everywhere. Yeah. It's a serve. Yeah, it's a serve. It's fun. It's dramatic. It's exciting. And Stefan says, what the hell happened? What do you mean? (laughs) Who invited Stefan to a crime scene? I know Damon would be there because he was friends with Liz. And I guess Matt called him. But it's like, Matt hasn't even become a deputy yet. How how does he have rights to invite people? Yes, this is a little bit of a... I think it's kind of implied that they heard about it and wandered over. Not that they were invited. I guess that's true. This is a gray area because, you know... For a lot of our plot points to work, we do need some connection like with the sheriff or with like police records. We even reference one later. It makes the most sense that they set up Matt to do it. So now he's our connection to the police department. But this is like the one episode where it's like, he's not really a cop yet. How's he able to do this? And then they quickly have him graduate. So they're like, don't worry about it. When I'm guessing three years later, he moved up pretty quickly through the ranks. Sure. We go over to the Salvatore house where Matt is looking at the crime scene files. Again, how'd you get those? whatever i'm just gonna have to ignore that i understand (laughs) stefan's on the phone with damon and says these bodies aren't lily's style it's got to be the heretics sure yeah i mean he's right but you know it's like okay damon says reception went a little fuzzy bro it sounds like you said mom got her family of crazies back can i have some details and it's interesting that they didn't assume that happened i think stefan saw that she was looking at these storage containers and she didn't find them. And he's like, oh, Kai double-crossed her. Yeah. Which he kind of did until he died. <laughs> yeah. Matt says one victim had bite wounds and the other was scorched beyond recognition, which does give vampire and witch. Let's say that. Yeah. 
Stefan says, Matt found a house that's been in foreclosure for the last two years that had its power mysteriously turned back on just days after Rick's wedding. Nice and handy. Stefan says, so Caroline is staking it out. And then he says, listen, I need Rick to tell me how to make a bomb. And Damon holds the phone out to Rick and says, oh, it's for you. Rick says, hello. Rick says, time for the performance of a lifetime. Yeah, he (laughs) answers the phone the wrong way and then he flips it and it's like, oh, he's drunk. Okay. Which even when this was happening, I was like, even when Rick's drunk, like he doesn't act that drunk because he's a functioning alcoholic. That's his whole thing. Yeah. So I was like, damn, how much did he drink today? I know. Stefan says, Alaric, I need you to teach me how to make a bomb. And Rick says, okay, party's over. Time to go home. <laughs> Stefan says, I'm literally staring at a treasure trove full of your fancy weapons. And Rick says, exactly. Go use one. And Stefan says, it's not that easy. If we want to take them out, we have to do it all at once. I think this is where the plan starts to become a failure because you don't have to do it all at once and you certainly don't have to do it today. I get the idea that they have to do it all at once because if they, like, they might make them mad, whatever. But if you are going to do it all at once, like, you know how vampires work. You can't just build a normal bomb. Take a lesson from Connor. Fill that bomb with fucking werewolf venom. Yeah, it does feel like they just feel like a bomb is not the best solution. Yeah. I feel like they could have spent some time learning more about what's the best way to kill these people. But again, yeah, they know how vampires work. Copy Connor Jordan. He ate every time. Wood, werewolf venom, take a heart out. Like, those are kind of your options. Well, also, like, start with the vervain grenade. Weaken them. They haven't been interacting with vervain because they've been in a prison world forever. Yeah, exactly. Rick says, all right, well, I'm going to have to call you from a less populated place, and then I'm going to blissfully pass out and pretend this never happened. He gets up, but he stumbles over his chair a little bit, drunkenly. Yeah. He's laying it on a little thick. You're doing a little much here, buddy. And he goes. And Bonnie says, Lily won. As much as we did everything to stop her, she got her family back. And Damon says, look, if Stefan says he's got it, he's got it. That's not true. We've had this happen before. All love. All love to Stefan. His plans usually aren't foolproof. I want any of you, most of your plans, like, you run into bumps at the minimum. Yeah. Bonnie says, do you really believe that? Or is that just your excuse to continue your slow crawl towards rock bottom? And he says, it's my excuse. Yeah. (laughs) And you know that. (laughs) I think you know the answer. Damon says, do you know how many days need to tick by before I see Elena again? 22,916. That is 62.783 years. Where are you getting that number? Maybe he went 63 and took off the few weeks that it's been since this happened. Anyway, he's just giving it a number. (laughs) And he says, and that's assuming you get some old person's disease. I haven't even begun to approach rock bottom. I do think you're closer than you think, buddy. Yeah. Bonnie says, listen to yourself, Damon. Elena wants you to live your life. Damon says, Bonnie, if you're going to be here, you don't get to play the what would Elena do game. This is a rude comment. Yeah. I get the jokes and I understand it. And I understand it's coming from a place of hurt. And like, he is really upset that, you know, he can't see Elena. But him taking it out on Bonnie is not fucking fair. Because like, Bonnie is dealing with this too. And Bonnie arguably has worse to deal with because she not only knows that like, she'll never see Elena again, but she also has to feel like responsible for this. Like she could fix this by killing herself, but she doesn't want to do that, obviously. But like, that's a guilt of like, I'm keeping Elena from everyone. Yeah. And the truth is, like, if it were up to Bonnie and they didn't talk to Elena, she probably would have sacrificed herself. But Elena wanted to sacrifice herself for Bonnie. Because, again, Damon is immortal. 
and he'll see her in 60 years. You had a crush on Catherine longer. Suck it up, Damon. You waited double that time and then some for Catherine. So you can wait that long for Elena. You can wait that long for a girl who actually likes you. Yeah. Bonnie says, what's that supposed to mean? And Damon says, nothing. But obviously we know what it's supposed to mean. Yeah. He takes a drink out of Rick's glass and says, "Ugh, I've had some janky ass bourbon in my time, but this is. And so Bonnie tastes it. She said, that is not bourbon. That is tea. <laughs> so number one, he doesn't know what tea tastes like. Yeah. Number two, this is a fun fact, is that what they drink on the set of The Vampire Diaries for bourbon is tea. Yeah. So all of the bourbon is tea on this show. Just a fun fact for those who don't know. Just a little, little Easter egg. <laughs> we go to some basement somewhere with a psychic and psychic is in quotes. Rick is there, stone cold sober. You know it's bad if Rick isn't drinking in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, literally. Rick holds up a red stone and says, have you ever seen this stone before? New prop stone alert. New moonstone. Although it's not the moonstone, obviously. Yeah, we'll talk about what we think it is in the next scene with uh, Lily and Enzo. The psychic says, I can't say I have. What is that stone? Mm-hmm. And Rick says, not important. And the guy's like, then why'd you ask? <laughs> he's like, okay. So you have something specific and I only do generalities here because I'm a fake, so. Yeah. Rick says, can you commune with my wife and tell her I have it? And the psychic says, I can try. Of course, I will need a mystical tether to access her spirit, something of great significance. Rick holds up a ring and says, this is her wedding ring. The psychic holds it. Meanwhile, he's got a ring on every damn finger. I think he got enough rings, buddy. I think the signal's getting a little clouded. Yeah. The psychic, and this is what a bad fake psychic, because he barely even sells this. He says, I just had a very powerful feeling. There's a a lot of energy in this ring. You two shared a strong bond. She loved you unconditionally. And she wants you to know she misses you. From a wedding ring? Please, I could do that. Yeah, That is like the vaguest thing. Like if you're going to be a fake psychic, you have to be like Sean Spencer on psych and get some personal thing. Well, even in this case, just be like, oh, I got a strong feeling. She's really thankful to see you have the stone. <laughs> like, to Doi, which, you know, still wouldn't have worked because he's using a fake ring. But if you're going to be a fake psychic, at least fake it better. Yeah, literally. Rick says, do you get off on this? Praying on the hope of miserable people? And the guy says, what? The guy's like, I don't know where you got that. I just gave you a beautiful message about your dead wife. And Rick says, the ring is fake, you dick. I lost the real one to the first psychic I saw. Yeah, that first psychic was a little more believable, I bet. Yeah. And then the psychic says, maybe your wife's better off dead. Excuse you? This guy is obviously ready to fight you. Don't egg him on. This one guy called out your scam and you're like, you know what? It's good your wife is dead. He's going to hit you. Yeah. Uh, So Rick beats his ass and deservedly so. Mm -hmm. Then we go over to New York City the city that never sleeps. Lily comes into a bar in cocktail attire and she sits at the bar and Enzo joins her. And Enzo says, it's a crime for the prettiest girl at the bar to sit alone. And then he turns to the bartender and says, two of your finest scotches, darling. Lily says, oh, Lorenzo, how I've missed you. Enzo says, whose fault is that? Keeping me away while you toilet train your new batch of orphaned puppies. And she says they're learning moderation so they can live under the radar. You being there, living freely. He says, yeah, yeah, bad influence, blah, 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 got it. In the meantime, you've summoned me to New York. My interest is peaked. He's like, are we going to have, have fun? He said, mommy Sunday. <laughs> and she says, no. He said, can we go to the zoo? <laughs> she says, no, we can't. 
<laughs> but you can go to the Maritime Museum. <laughs> she says, I was hoping you might find something for me. During my captivity, a very dear possession I thought was lost when our ship from England was torched was discovered by divers. She has a picture of it, and wouldn't you know it, it's the same stone Rick has. What are the odds? Mm -hmm. She says it's been on display in the city's Maritime Museum, but it's recently disappeared again. And Enzo says, oh, why do you want it? And she makes a suspicious face. Yeah. Did you think he wasn't going to ask? Like, Lily, you're already keeping him away from the rest of the family, acknowledging that you're being hypocritical about it, and made him come to New York only for a favor. Yeah, he's going to want to know what the favor's about. Yeah. She says, if anyone discovered you were looking for it, you might be in danger. And he says, yeah, okay, all the more reason I should know why I'm looking for it. So what do you think this stone is? So I'll try to make a couple guesses in terms of like names, but also what it does. I, I know you didn't ask me to write a name. No, but I would love for you to do it. The way the stone looks is it looks kind of like a clear marble with red running through it. Sure. So I have to throw out bloodstone. That's fair. Even though that's not what an actual bloodstone looks like, but that doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's beside the point. We could also go with something a little more, you know, faint, like maybe a Gemini stone or sure. like a name after a coven. Because what I think this stone potentially does is resurrection. Okay. And I say that because that seems to be a Lurk's goal. Yeah. Is to bring Joe back. And... I'm guessing that since it was a prized possession of Lily and she's with all the heretics and this is going back kind of far and like probably not relevant, but we do, we did at one point think the Gemini's had something to do with resurrection. So I'm just tying those threads together. Sure. Why do you think Lily wants a resurrection stone? If it is a resurrection stone? Yeah, that is the question. She doesn't want Giuseppe back. Yeah, I don't know why she would want it for that. I think it could also just be, you know, a source of magic. I don't know why they need any more magic. They're kind of full on magic over there. If it is a resurrection stone, how do you think it works? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can just, I mean, it is, it's magic. So you don't have to come up with like some really in-depth thing. It's magic, but I, but it's clearly not like you hold the stone to her and it works because then he probably would have done it by now. That would be crazy if that's, or you would think he would have tried that right now because he's clearly visiting her in the morgue. Yeah, that would be way too easy also, just to put the stone and it works. But the way you're saying that makes me think that's what it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think that. The way you're saying it makes it makes me think <laughs> it sounds dumb, but that makes me be like, it's just dumb. You'll never know. That's That's the beauty of gaslighting. Gaslighter! I could just be trying to make you guess that something dumb is true. So you look even dumber. Yeah. I mean, I look dumb regardless. I, I think it could be in combination with like a specific type of magic. I don't know, because he's asking these psychics if they've seen it. Yeah. When we know, you know, the ship that Lily was on came from Europe. So we have to assume this stone originally came from Europe. Sure. It's also, you know, resurrection has not necessarily been easy in the past. Yeah. So this stone could just be a piece of something. Yeah. The way that the moonstone was just a piece of the sun and moon. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking. It also has not really a similar look, but an almost similar look to the philosopher's stone from As Above, So Below, 
which is like a healing stone. Like it heals people. The one in As Above So Below is like red and it's like, you know, in hell. That's where they get that stone. So I do think that still could connect to resurrection or, you know, we haven't touched on the afterlife at all since the other side has dropped. Do you think we're going to hell? Potentially. I mean, we get mentions of hell in this episode, I guess. Do we? Well, Valerie being like, this place is hell. Sure. Could be foreshadowing. It could just be her hating living in Mystic Falls, hard to say. But so I'm I'm on that resurrection afterlife path with this. Sure. But I do think it makes sense because of their kind of return to form of tomb vampires and originals that I think it being like a multi-step like curse or something. Maybe it's some way to like undo heretics, although wouldn't that just be the cure to vampirism? So that's probably not it. So just just thinking. I'm trying to think what Lily would want out of it. That lines up with Alaric's assumed wants. Yeah. Where they overlap. Yeah, so I'm not sure what, unless, you know, Oscar died and that's where he is. Yeah. <laughs> and she really only seems to care about her family unless there's someone else that we haven't learned about. Lily's not telling Enzo why she wants it. She says, it's a family matter, Lorenzo. And he says, I thought I was your family. Which that would piss me right off. Yeah. Because I'm your family, but I'm not allowed to be in the house. I'm not allowed to see them. And I don't even get to know what I'm doing this favor for. But I have to do the favors still because I'm your family. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. She says, darling, we want nothing more than to believe you're on our side. And he says, your side? I stood by you when your own sons abandoned you. And she says, so you're willing to see my sons for the monsters they are to turn your back on your friendships? What happened to that sick boy I met on the boat? The boy abandoned at the workhouse at the age of four. The boy who never knew kindness until the day I saved his life. And Enzo says, that boy is not your errand boy. Find your own damn rock. And I'm like, yay, Enzo. But he drops back down at the end as he do. He sure did. She is right. I mean, this is a concern that both she and the other side raise. He's playing both sides. Yeah. So why would they trust him? Yeah, which I get. It's harder with Lily because Lily's like, everything is the family, the family, the family. So it's like, well, you trust your family. Yeah. We go over to the Salvatore house. Stefan is finishing up making this bomb. And Caroline comes in with her information from the stakeout. She says, there's five heretics, two guys, three girls, and your mom isn't home. And Stefan says, Enzo and Caroline's is not there either. So if we're going to do this, now is our window. So show me how this thing works. And she picks it up pretty, you know, aggressively. Yeah. Stefan says, okay, first of all, this is a bomb. <laughs> and she says, okay. And he says, that there is the timer. And I'm going to set it for 60 seconds. And she says, got it. And he says, are you sure you want to do this? And she says, I have to do this. They lived in your house for 100 years. They've seen your picture. They'll recognize you immediately. Stefan says, I'm just saying, if you think this is a crazy plan, like now's the time to speak up. And she says, is there any version of this plan where you're not worried about me? And he says, probably not. And it's a little <laughs> bit romantic, but they don't kiss right now. Yeah, but they're they're on the path. They're on the path. Yeah, we're moving. We go over to the heretic house. The doorbell rings. And Caroline is at the door with an orchid. Nora answers the door. Caroline says, welcome to Mystic Falls. I'm Caroline. And Nora says, not interested. And tries to close the door. And Caroline says, oh, no, don't worry. I'm not selling anything. I'm your neighbor from down the block. And Nora says, so? Yeah, Nora says, we really don't give a fuck. While this is happening, we see Matt comes in the back door to set up the bomb. 
Mm-hmm. Caroline says, wow, great place. And she comes in. So they didn't even have a human sign a lease to trap these people out. Caroline says, I love what you've done with the floors. Is this the original Herdwood? And Valerie says, it's gargantuan hellhole. No one gives a damn about the floors. It's like, okay. It's like, okay, girl. Like, I'm just being nice. Caroline says, well, I brought you guys a housewarming gift. Mystic Falls tradition. And Nora says, Valerie's allergic to nature. What does Valerie like? I mean, Valerie, 1903 couldn't have been easy for you, girl. Yeah. Matt sets the bomb down. Caroline says, I am just going to put this right over here. And Matt is like opening a gas valve. So it squeaks and hisses. So Caroline covers that sound by breaking a little trinket. Yeah. And she says, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Clumsy. She's being cutie. And she says, so where are you guys from? Matt starts the timer and goes out the back door. And Nora says, I do love that jacket. It's just a plain denim jacket. Nora could get this at any store, but it's iconic. It's a power move. Yes. Caroline says, thanks. I got it for my birthday. (laughs) Nora says, don't you just love what she's wearing? And Mary Louise says, it's fine. They would look entirely better on you. Need me a love like that. Yeah, literally need me a love like that. Matt comes to the door and says, hey, Caroline, we should get going to that barbecue. And it will be a barbecue. Yes, it sure will. Mary Louise says, and you would be? And Matt says, her ride. Caroline, we should go. Yeah, because he's like, the timer is started. Nora says, oh, Care isn't leaving yet. We see the timer is at 30 seconds. And Nora compels Caroline, give me your jacket. And Caroline knows she has to. Yeah, and Caroline's like, well, guess I'm losing this jacket today. Guess this jacket's getting burnt up. So Caroline takes the jacket off and says, here, take my jacket. Nora says, thank you. How sweet you are. Caroline says, okay, see ya. And Mary Louise says, wait. And then we see the timer's at 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. And Mary Louise compels her, you forgot to tell her how good she looks. And Caroline says, it looks amazing on you. And Valerie says, does anyone else smell that? (laughs) And then Matt and Caroline look at each other. We see the timer go three, two, one. Caroline vampire runs out with Matt and the bomb explodes. We don't see what happens there. So it's pretty darn clear. Plan didn't work. Yeah. I mean, they think this is a win, but it's like, guys, it was one bomb. You kind of got to let it go off. And then while they're weakened from the bomb, go stake them. But that's me. Exactly. Or again, bomb with like vervain darts and werewolf venom. Yeah. Connor Jordan is wherever he is. There's no other side anymore. Just shaking his head. He was a visionary. You cannot say that man wasn't a good hunter. Yeah. We go back to Amsterdam. Bonnie and Damon are walking looking for Rick. And Bonnie says, Rick was right here. How did we lose him? And Damon says, you're wearing terrible shoes for trailing someone. Your eyes suck and you're slow. Could you say one nice thing to your friend? Please. Bonnie says, I'm slow. You just spent the last few weeks in Europe with a guy pretending to be drunk and you didn't even notice. Got him there. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I was also drunk. Yeah. Bonnie says, which way do you want to go? And she like goes on a little tangent about which way they should go. And we can see a car heading towards her. No cars breaking in the road for pedestrians this week. Yeah. Even though like this seems to be like a market and everyone's walking in the street here. Yeah. We can see Damon see the car and space out a little bit. Yeah. And then he vampire runs to get her out of the way pretty close. Uh, The car honks. And she says, wow, thank you. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And she says, wait a second. Did you see that truck coming? Did you just hesitate to save my life? He's like, I saw it coming just right before I saved you. Yeah. Now, first of all, Damon, look, I'm not saying like lying is like the best thing you should do here. Deny that you hesitated. 
Yeah. There's no, nothing good can come of her knowing you hesitated to save her life. Yeah. But instead he says, relax, it was three seconds. Excuse me. <laughs> That's not comforting. I don't like that you waited three seconds. <laughs> she says, three seconds. I could have died. And Damon says, you're right, Bonnie. Had I done nothing, Elena would be here and it would all be grand. Now, this is just rude to say. Yeah. Again, he's just like being so rude to her this week. She knows the situation. Like, he's just, he's hurt. He's just taking it out on her because this is obviously the one that he's meant to take it out on. That was Kai's whole fucking plan. Yeah. That's the thing. Kai's plan is working, Damon. Do you not see? (laughs) Yeah. He has you gagged. Bonnie says, okay, enough. You know, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life thinking you resent me. And Damon says, well, how else am I supposed to feel, Bonnie? You're here. She's not. Every time I look at you, all I see is not Elena. And Bonnie says, I'm so sorry this happened. But I lost Elena too, Damon. And you're one of the few reminders of her I have to hold on to. So you can resent me or love me, but you're stuck with me. And she goes. And you know what? This is fair. She lost Elena too. And not only did she also lose Elena, she does not get to see Elena again. Yeah. Damon, you do. Suck it up and be nice to Bonnie. Yeah. Also, because you know Bonnie feels guilty about this. Like, I've already said this. But, like, respect that this is hard for her on a number of levels beyond just losing her best friend. Yeah. He's pissing me off this week, Mr. Damon. We go out to the road outside of Mystic Falls. Lily is in, like, the back of an Uber Black. (laughs) And (laughs) she gets a call. She sees it's Stefan, and she all but rolls her eyes. <laughs> says, she says, that's not the family I want to hear from. <laughs> she says, to what do I owe this rare pleasure? And this is also funny because, like, at the beginning of this episode, Stefan's like, I guess she disappeared off the face of the earth. Did he not try calling her? Clearly she'll answer. <laughs> Stefan says, I hope you weren't too attached to that house. We blew it into a pile of ash with your family inside. And she's like, with what, a normal bomb? Yeah. <laughs> Lily says, I'm sorry, you did what? And Stefan says, they're gone, Lily. And you have until tonight to get out of Mystic Falls or we come after you next. And she says, centuries-old heretics, world-weary survivalists, wise beyond their lives, have eviscerated from the planet in one fell swoop. My son, if I may offer you some motherly advice, run. She hangs up. And Stefan clearly is like, hmm, did I make a mistake? I was like, you know what? Now that she said that, this was kind of wishful thinking that one bomb would do the trick. I mean, this isn't Pastor Young. Yeah. <laughs> we go over to, I guess, the deputy graduation ceremony. It's outside the high school. Mm-hmm. The whole town's here. Very Mystic Falls of them. Yeah. The new sheriff on the stage, whose name we don't know and won't know. Yeah. You can tell he's the sheriff because he's got a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says, please join me in congratulating our graduating class of new deputies as I read their names and they receive their badges. Matt's there, Caroline's there, exciting day. Mm -hmm. Nora and Mary Louise are standing in the back of the crowd. And Nora says, what a happy little town this is. I bet they have the most darling funerals. They do, Queen. They kind of (laughs) do. Mary Louise says, Nora, I swear, your heart must be made of pure arsenic. And Nora says, oh, admit it. You love me more for it. And Mary Louise says, you know I do. And they hold hands. Lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) Love them. The sheriff starts reading names. And Mary Louise pulls her hand away. And Nora says, Mayor, it's the 21st century. We can hold hands now. She's like, we're finally in a place where it's like cool to be gay. (laughs) Yeah. Valerie comes up to them and says, oh, my God, is this your first date in public? That's adorable. 
And Mary Louise says, we should double some time. There's bound to be a man out there desperate enough to buy you dinner. <laughs> kind of got her ass. One thing about these two, they're, they're dragging Valerie. Yeah. Through the mud. And thank God. <laughs> Valerie says, can we focus on revenge, please? Yeah, because you got bested. You got gagged. Yeah. She's like, I don't have a comeback for that. So <laughs> <laughs> they start a spell. It's a pretty long spell. The sheriff says, Deputy Matthew Donovan. Caroline claps. They keep doing the spell. Matt gets back to his seat and like shows his badge to Caroline. It's pretty cute, actually. The spell continues again for a long time. And Stefan goes to Caroline and says, hey, I think we have a problem. Then the girls finish the spell, or so we think. And the sprinklers start. And it's just sprinklers. And it's like, oh, that that's all you guys did with all that chanting? Huh. And it's like, yeah, that's a fun prank, but I don't know. <laughs> but it seems like you guys would go a little bolder than that. I wouldn't call that revenge. And the sheriff is like, oh, sorry about the malfunction. So everyone starts to like move away from the sprinklers. But then Valerie says incendia and all the water catches fire. Mm-hmm. We've seen this before. Mm-hmm. This causes chaos, of course, because there's a ton of fire. People are catching on fire. And as if that's not bad enough, the heretics are like, ravenously feeding on everybody yeah they're like okay whoever's close up like time to eat matt tries to help but he can't do much stefan tries to stake Bo. caroline gets an aneurysm spell from nora and mary louise nora says hello neighbor caroline says hey how y'all doing and it's unrelated but caroline has this cute little pink dress on yeah caroline looks really cute it should be stated her necklace is really cute too (laughs) And also she gets no blood on her outfit. Everyone else is like dirty and covered in blood by the time this scene ends, except Caroline, whose dress is pristine. Yeah, she said, no, we're not ruining this dress. <laughs> Bo kind of gets the leg up on Stefan. So it looks like the heretics are going to, you know, kill Stefan, Matt and Caroline. And then Lily appears in her cocktail dress and says, enough. Because she's like, I left for like three hours and I didn't even get what I wanted out of that. And now I'm here and there's a fucking like fire in the town square. Like, I can't do anything. The spell stops, the fire stops. And so then we see the carnage, which is a lot of dead, bloody, burned people. It's very, it's very dramatic. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive kill count. I will say, you know, as new villains get introduced, it's hard to make them more threatening than the last one, um, particularly after Silas, when they really can't go any bigger. And particularly with the way they like to redeem villains, they don't always give them like huge kill counts Mm -hmm. right off the bat they didn't do that here they said yeah they're gonna kill a lot of people yeah which i think they kind of needed to do because i think the whole point is like they're vampires and witches and they're like evil versions of both so you kind of and there's like 20 of them it feels like so you really got to up the kill count yeah lily says i fought tirelessly to reunite us found ways to coexist in this new world, sacrificed everything to make us a family again. How dare you jeopardize that? All of you. The bloodshed ends now. The heretics go with Lily. They leave Stefan and Caroline and Matt to like realize what just happened. Yeah. And Stefan's like, so you're still just, still there, the family, and I'm nothing. Yeah. We're sticking with that. (laughs) He said, mommy? (laughs) We go over to the Salvatore house. Caroline says, what just happened? And Stefan says, I don't know. And she says, I thought we blew them up. How did they survive that? And Stefan says, I have no idea. They're two different supernatural creatures. I'm guessing that's it. (laughs) She says, Matt's whole class is dead. The new sheriff is dead. 
all those people, none of them even had a chance. And he's like looking in the mirror. And so she's like, what are you looking at? Stefan says, there's a splinter embedded in my neck. I can't seem to get it out. And she says, come here. And they get really close to each other and they look at each other. And then she goes back to focusing on the splinter and says, I almost got it. And she says, it's just there's history here. This town, this house, these people. And I just don't see a world where Mystic Falls survives a war between us and them. And if Lily thinks she can control five heretics, she's insane. And Stefan says, I think I know how to get through to Lily. Let's just say it's a good thing Damon's not here. And his way to get through to Lily is to give her every single thing she wants and ask for nothing in return. What the fuck? I think Damon would have helped matters, personally. Yeah. We see a montage of the changes in Mystic Falls as we learn what's happening. We go through it very fast. Caroline narrates slash writes, Dear Elena, when you wake up, Mystic Falls will look nothing like you remember it. Meanwhile, Elena's checking the date on this. Like, what? Didn't even take a month? (laughs) What? What? (laughs) Elena's like, I go to sleep for a month and the whole town changes? Yeah. Matt narrates, we made up a story. A mining fire erupted in the tunnels under the town. Out of control fires, lethal carbon monoxide levels, the works. So, you know, we see them handing out paper that says like, get out. Yeah, like evacuation of the entire town. Mandatory evacuation. Uh, Stefan narrates, my mother's heretic family is back. Their magic keeps them protected. They're faster and stronger than any of us. And they're willing to tear our town apart for their own entertainment. We had to protect it. Caroline says Lily thought her family was ready to live among humans. She was wrong. The truth is, their impulsive nature put every citizen in this town in danger. And I'm not saying the heretics aren't impulsive, but that's not really what happened here. (laughs) You tried to blow them up and they retaliated. I'm not saying you shouldn't have tried to blow them up, but they were like quietly living in this house for weeks without you knowing because you didn't provoke them. Yeah. And I do think, you know, there's something to be said about they started killing people. They're not going to stop now because they clearly are having fun with it. Yeah. But it is kind of like, why is it not just a deal to be like, hey, do whatever you want, but just like, don't do it in this town. Yeah. Because like, they don't have a connection here. Even Lily, it's like, what is your connection here? Truly? Like, you didn't even like living here. You didn't like your family when you were here. So why would you like the town? Like, it just seems like you guys can go somewhere else. Like, at least the travelers, it was like, we want a home and we picked this town, which still made no fucking sense. But it seems like Lily, I guess, wants to be here. But even that doesn't make sense. These people just aren't really happy here either. Yeah. Because again, like you said, it's basically the prison world again. Because now no, there's no humans here. Yeah. Caroline says, Stefan negotiated a deal. Did he negotiate at all? Yeah. What did he ask for? He says, <laughs> It says, we got time to clear out the residence, and in return, anyone who trespassed was fair game for the heretics. So, hold on. The the only thing they got is that, like, they wouldn't kill everyone on their way out of town. Yeah. But then, if anyone comes back, they can kill them. I know you don't want people living here because it's unsafe, but where are all these people going to go? Like, are you paying for them to live somewhere else? Yeah. We see Caroline compel a woman, like, oh, get out of here. Your family's not safe here. Mm-hmm. And I know they're all getting compelled, so they will leave. But, like, logistically, how did this work? People are going to want to come back to their houses. Yeah. 
Matt says, you know, Stefan and Caroline went door to door evacuating residents, drove out businesses, boarded up homes, closed the town to traffic. Like people owned businesses here. People have jobs. Like people work in this town. This is a, a full functioning town. There's only so much compulsion can do. Yeah. And then Caroline says, we all gave up a lot to get Lily to agree. But I think Stefan sacrificed the most. Lily comes into the Salvatore house with her family and says, pick a room. There are plenty. Okay. Um, again, you gave up everything. You gave them your house. You didn't have to do that. You could have given them any house since apparently they're all empty. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing too of like, just compel everyone to like avoid these people and say like, look, if the compulsion wears off or if like people bother you, sure. But like, you can't just kill innocent people in the limits, like in the border of the town. Well, it just feels like this going from not interacting with them at all to like brokering a deal to evacuate the whole town is an overreaction. Yeah. Like Lily doesn't agree with the way this went down. So it stands to reason that like they aren't going to do something like this again out of nowhere. Well, yeah, just broker a deal with Lily of like, you need to keep them in line. And if you don't keep them in line, like get them out of town. We won't try to explode you and you can't kill people in this town. And that's the other problem is like, if they want to kill people, like making the deal, like don't kill anyone in this town is like, they're still going to kill people. Yeah. And Lily doesn't want them to kill people. They don't even seem like deeply to want to kill people unless like, again, unless provoked. Yeah. It feels like this is a huge overreaction for something that like, I understand they had like a really violent kill scene earlier, but they just don't seem to be enough of a threat to require all of this. Yeah. Especially because like, it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight here. Like, what is the, like, when do people get to come back to Mystic Falls? Yeah. Like, are you just permanently displacing all these people? Yeah, and it also feels like you only tried to kill them one time. Yeah. Try to kill them a few more fucking times. Yeah, and, you know, maybe one by one, they're stupid. Sneak up on them. Like, yeah. Matt narrates, we hate them, they hate us. But now, at the very least, we have a truce. Stefan says, whether we like it or not, we'll share our town. We'll live side by side with our enemies for as long as it takes. As long as it takes to what? Well, and share your town only with like six other people. You've cleared everybody out. Yeah. And then we see like, you know, Bo and Malcolm glaring at Stefan and Matt. What's particularly funny about this that I want to bring up is you did say last week, like, I kind of think the heretics want to take over Mystic Falls. And you were right for once. See, you made a joke about the mayor thing. And I was like, actually, no, I think it's right this time. And you were right. It doesn't make any fucking sense why they do it, but it doesn't make it wrong. None of them are really the mayor. There's not really any law here, law or order. They want a town. I don't know why they picked this one. Again, I don't know why they won't go to other places. It seems weird. What is the problem with New York City? That's where you were headed. I can only suspend so much disbelief. Again, the travelers wanting to live in Mystic Falls. I also didn't accept that, but it was one time. So I was like, okay, fine. And then I was like, oh, they brought Kai. They redeemed themselves. Like they can still write TV. And it's like, oh, guys, was Nina in the writer's room? Like, yeah. <laughs> Again, I see what they're trying to do here. And I'm not saying that it'll be a complete failure, but this episode does set up some things that it's like, I'm a little bit worried. Yeah. I think they'll pull some fun stuff out of it. I think there can be some cool found family aspects and you know if we build up these heretics in the right way but it's just this episode was a lot of like it's clear that they spent a lot of time setting up 
this system where it's like our team and the heretics and that's who's interacting. And I think they just wanted to clear the people out so there wasn't like a random person being killed every other day. Yeah. But this feels like a lot to do that when you could have just had background actors. Yeah. You know, I don't know what's going to happen on the season, obviously, but I don't think it would have changed like all that much. Well, and again, we know, I mean, where the show always succeeds is like exploring relationships. And the truth is like, in order to do that, we can't have them just randomly killing people. Also, if someone dies every episode, the stakes are gone. So we know that the heretics are not just going to be mindlessly murdering people. Like, just reasonably. Yeah. That's not an interesting villain. And that's not how this show does villains. Yeah. So to do all this, to be like, oh, now they're not going to murder anyone. I didn't really think they were going to murder that many people. Yeah. Like, why are we doing all this? We go over to the town square. It has been, what, two hours since everyone evacuated and it's already trashed. Who did this? How did it get this beat down? Who is doing the graffiti? No one's here. Who put up all these posters? Who put up all the plastic sheeting? It's just a little silly. Enzo is on Liz's bench and he's, you know, taking the plaque off. And Caroline says, what are you doing with my mom's bench? And Enzo says, I just saw it here and I thought I'd put it in safekeeping. Spare it from any future graffiti damage. And this is also funny. Like, I don't want to unpack politics, but it's like, basically, he's like, oh, the town is going to be trashed. There's going to be graffiti. Again, where's the graffiti going to come from? If they were going to graffiti something, I think they'd start with the sheriff bench. It would be too late. (laughs) That's true. If there's graffiti everywhere else, why do they not graffiti the sheriff bench? I mean, we know people who do graffiti are hoodlums. Yeah, he's like, oh, there's going to be crime, which means there's definitely going to be graffiti. Like, what? It's just silliness. Caroline says, I was just about to do the same thing. What's the catch? And Enzo says, no catch. Just trying to cheer you up, Blondie. Not sure if you've noticed, but things are getting a little glum around here. And Caroline says, oh, I'm sorry. Have I not shown enough glee after uprooting an entire town of people because of you? Because What did he do? You don't have to come in Enzo for this. <laughs> yeah. Enzo says, me? <laughs> Enzo's like, I've just been traveling to and from New York today. I literally have had no part in any of this. I'm not even in that family. Yeah. She says, yeah, you. And he says, don't clump me in with Lily's circus freaks. And Caroline says, okay, then where should I clump you? One day you're helping Lily. The next you're here being nice. Pick a side, Enzo. Us or them. Again, fair concern. Because at this point, it is really an us versus them situation. So this is the time to pick a side. Yeah. He says, you sound just like her. And Caroline says, that's because she doesn't trust you. And to be honest, neither do I. And she goes. And that's fair. If you don't pick a side, neither side is going to trust you. Yeah. We go into the grill. Stefan is like packing everything up. You guys can still go here. You guys were not paying for your drinks here anyway. So why start? Exactly. He opens a beer and drinks it. It's room temperature, so it can't be that refreshing. His phone rings and he answers. It's Damon. He says, how's Europe? And Damon says, oh, Rick was kind of mad on the Mona Lisa. Anything I should know about? Stefan says, oh, you know, it can all wait till you get back. And then Damon walks in the front door of the grill and says, well, I'm back. Do you want to tell me who the hell is living in our house? Yeah, because he's like, I just went home. There were all these people there. (laughs) This is the other problem with this deal is why did he negotiate it without Damon? And why not tell Damon what he was planning to negotiate? Because Damon would have said, no, this is crazy. And Damon would have been right. Yeah, I think Stefan just wanted to speed through it and get people out. But he didn't think about that, about getting himself a good deal in the process. Stefan says the whole town would have been slaughtered. 
And Damon says, so we kill them all and call it a day. And Stefan says, we already tried that. And Damon says, you sent Donovan to blow up a house. Try harder. Mm -hmm. And Stefan says, the deal has been made. We don't mess with them. They don't mess with us. And Damon says, that's very benevolent. You should run for mayor. Not that anyone would be here to vote for you. (laughs) And Stefan says, you know, what's done is done. Don't mess this up. And Damon says, who convinced you to save a town full of people you don't give a crap about? He likes the people in this town. Stefan did it himself. He's a murderer. That's his whole fucking thing. Yeah, exactly. What do you mean, who convinced you? It was his conscience. Yeah. Damon says, because it's not your idea, and Matt can't think his way out of a paper bag, so it must be Caroline's. Yeah, Caroline has good ideas. What do you want me to say? Yeah, I think Caroline and Stefan tag-teamed this one, and Stefan took the lead on it, to be sure, because if Caroline took the lead, she would have at least gotten the house. I know. Stefan wanted to save Caroline from his mommy. Mm-hmm. Stefan says, do me a favor, box that bottle up on the way out. Damon says, Stefan hangs up his hero hair for the girl. What the fuck does that mean? The hero hair put aside, you can hang it up? I think it's supposed to be like a wig. Like a hat. Yeah, like a hat or a wig. But it's so funny. Again, hangs up his hero hair for the girl. This is number one murder behavior. Yeah. Dumb as it may be and stupid as the deal may have been. Like this is like, in theory, hero behavior. Yes, exactly. Damon says, and here I thought my future was bleak. It still is, King. Damon... You're still winning that one, I'll tell you. Yeah. Stefan says, you know, Elena wanted you to be happy, to live, even encouraged you to date. I want to call this out because they do at the beginning here, like, say a few times, like, Elena's encouraging Damon to date, as if to say, like, any of you fans who liked Elena okay with a new love interest for Damon? And everyone said, no. Yeah, and Delena's fan said, stop. And they said, okay. You can see they're kind of testing the waters here. They're like, could we pull that off? We have two whole seasons. (laughs) Stefan says, but if she wakes up and everyone she loves is dead, do you think she'd be able to forgive that? First of all, she's proven she'll forgive just about fucking anything when it comes to Damon. (laughs) So don't, don't concern yourself with that. But it still tricks Damon every time. Yeah. (laughs) Stefan says, I'm not doing this for Caroline, Damon. I'm doing it for you. You're not doing this for anybody. This is a dumbass plan. We go into town. Bonnie goes up to Matt's cop car and she's like smiling. And it's like, girl, wipe that smile off your face. It's not a happy time. Read the room, girl. (laughs) Bonnie hugs Matt and Matt says, oh, I didn't know you were back. And she says, yeah, honestly, like, I don't know where I am. Surrendering the town isn't a solution, Matt. We need to stop them. And Matt says they had been stopped, Bonnie, back in 1903. And this is a good point. But then he says, but then you betrayed Kai He let them out, and I got to bury all my friends from the sheriff's department. And Bonnie says, so this is my fault? How are we back to blaming Bonnie? Kai is cheering wherever he is because it worked. Yeah, she betrayed Kai after he drove her to suicide. Yes. Sorry that she betrayed him, and sorry she assumed that they'd stay in the prison world that she left them in. Like, she didn't let them out. And honestly, even she was like, I'm worried about a loophole. Yeah. And she was right. And no one listened. And you know, this is useless. But I buried all my friends with the sheriff's department. You buried all of them today. All your friends? They don't like you. Name one. Name two, matter of fact. He's pissing me off, as he do. Matt says, no, I didn't say it's your fault. You basically did. 
He implied it heavily. Yeah. He says, look, I got to go patrol. And he goes, what are you patrolling? First of all, there's no one here to patrol. Second of all, even if you've been patrolling, where has the graffiti come from? What are you (laughs) patrolling? Like, you can't even stop graffiti. I mean, I know you're new, but come on. Yeah. How quickly did the kids do graffiti? I didn't even have to be kids. (laughs) So then we see him patrolling. And Damon is on the clock tower. This is the shot we saw at the end of the finale last week. So that's the thing. This shot wasn't even in the time jump when I was this... guessing like when this shot was. Yeah. I knew that when I was making you guess it. <laughs> this shot was literally like a few weeks later. It's not even the time jump. They lost that town so fucking fast. Less than 24 hours from evacuation. And it's like abandoned. Ta- it's like, what is the, what are we doing here? Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of giving Riverdale. I hate to say it. It kind of is. We do have to say that. Matt and his red circle head ass, you know, says something about the quality here. It doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in season seven. Yeah. I'll still be seated and enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not abandoning it. And there are many things I'll defend. But, you know, you can tell, especially because the Vampire Diaries season premieres are often really strong. Yeah. So it's hard when one isn't. Yeah, I think this is the weakest of the season premieres, to be sure. Easily. So it's a little like, uh-oh. We go over to Whitmore. Damon brings a box that has like bourbon and a couple belongings in it. And he drinks the bourbon. So I guess he's moving into the Whitmore dorm into Elena's bed. Yeah. I mean, do you want to hit rock bottom? <laughs> yeah. Bonnie gets home. And she says, oh, what are you doing here? And he says, have you been to Mystic Falls? There is a heretic clipping his gnarly heretic toenails in my master bath right now. I have nowhere else to go. That master bath that is like renovated beyond. Like, I know he's mad. (laughs) I know he's mad. I know Bo is living in the lap of luxury. I know Bo got the master. Yeah, Bo claimed that. He said, "Mm mm-mm. Well, actually, he said, (laughs) because he's mute. (laughs) I don't know if that's offensive to mute people. I don't think so. What are they going to say? <laughs> that's <Right>. offensive. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> I knew I'd find it. <laughs> Bonnie says, so I guess it's a good thing I didn't get hit by a truck, huh? Yeah, if I was her, I'd be bringing this up every damn day. Me too. <laughs> Damon says, come on, Bonnie. It was three seconds. Three seconds while a car was driving at like 40 miles an hour, but okay. Three seconds where you considered letting me get hit by a car. Bonnie says, do you know how long three seconds are in a life or death situation? And Damon says, yes, I do. In the first second, I thought how amazing it would feel to have Elena in my arms again. By second two, I kissed her. And by the third, I remembered you're my best friend. And that if anything ever happened to you, I would lose my mind. So yes, Bonnie, I know how long three seconds are. She says, okay, just checking. (laughs) He says, I will wait for her and you're going to help me. You're stuck with me too. It should be noted. You know, of course, that some people ship Damon and Bonnie, particularly in this area when Elena is dead. You know who in particular ships Damon and Bonnie? Ian Somerhalder. He was pushing for it. I was going to say, Ian. (laughs) He was pushing the writers. And I think Kat Graham was on board with it too. I bet. But Julie Plex said, no, I hate Bonnie. Duplex said, no, I actually want Bonnie to not have anything because I'm a bitch ass. Exactly. Bonnie says the heretics are out because of me. 
And Damon says, no, Bonnie, the heretics are out because my mom's a lunatic and everyone's too scared to stop her. Now, I've been talking a lot of shit on Damon this week, but it's nice that finally someone like said straight up, no, this is not your fault. Don't know how hard that was to get someone to say. Yeah, because it is decidedly not her fault, but that's me. Bonnie says, I'm not too scared to stop her. I want to fight. I want our town back. So then we go into Mystic Falls where some guy is picking through some trash. He did not hear. He did not hear. He said, what happened while I was asleep? It's like the beginning of The Walking Dead. Yeah. He's like, damn, it's quiet here today. Malcolm approaches him and says, trespassers are free reign, friend. The guy's like, what? Because like, what do you mean trespassers? Like, I live here. I'm just a dude. Malcolm feeds on this guy. And I think kills him. Yeah. And then Malcolm spots Bonnie and says, and you are? And Bonnie says, town witch. And she does an aneurysm spell, but of course he grabs her and siphons her. Mm -hmm. And he says, to be fair, you're nothing if I take your magic. And while he's distracted siphoning Bonnie, Damon pulls out his heart. Now, this is the way to kill these heretics. Yeah. One at a time, do this. And honestly, Damon, Bonnie, do all of them tonight. Well, keep repeating this because they are going to be like, I'm siphoning, <laughs> even though they you don't have to siphon. You got all the magic you need. You're just being a, a bitch ass. One distracting, one pulling the heart out. It's simple. Honestly, you could get this all done in one night. The first person who finds Malcolm's body, they're the next victim. Yeah. And then someone finds that body. It's like, why are we doing just one tonight? Yeah. They're tired. They're jet lagged. Nobody <laughs> wants to work these days. <laughs> yeah, they're jet lagged. <laughs> but the other problem here, if you're not going to do them all in one night, Hiding this from Stefan isn't a great idea. I would say if you're not going to do them all one night, hide the body in general. Because yes, in general. we don't want them being pissed that one of them got killed when that's like not the deal they struck. But like Damon didn't agree to the deal. Yeah. Make it seem like he ran away. Yeah. He left town. We go over to the Forbes house. Stefan and Caroline are like covering stuff up with sheets. Caroline says, are we making a huge mistake handing over our hometown to a bunch of supernatural terrorists? Probably. Yeah, and Stefan says probably, and I have to agree. <laughs> yeah. She says, stop, I'm a control freak giving up control. I'm delicate. And he says, well, what would Sheriff Forbes do? She says, I just said I'm delicate. Are you going to bring up my dead mom? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Caroline says she would protect human life at any cost. Also, she'd shoot Jeremy in the chest. <laughs> she'd shoot a teenager, depending on the day. <laughs> yeah. Stefan says, then no, I don't think we're making a huge mistake. And Caroline says, you know, I thought I would heal from my mom's death. I really thought time would pass and one day I'd be ready to move on. But she's my mom and I'm never going to stop missing her. And as she's saying this, Stefan like poses in the doorway. He is flexing his muscle. He's flexing to high heaven. <laughs> he said, mm -hmm. he said, yeah, I know you're listening to me, but you pop a peek at that arm. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan says, well, that's life, Caroline. You can't just sit back and wait for the good parts to happen, but you can forgive yourself for trying to be happy during the bad parts. I'm going to go board up the front door. He said, am I done waiting? I've waited about two weeks. It seems like enough to me. <laughs> Caroline says, hey, Stefan, I am happy. You make me happy. My best friend is gone. My mom's dead. The whole town's destroyed. But when I'm with you, I'm happy. And yeah, you're right. I just need to. And then she kisses him. And they're making out. And they're in love. Slay, at least we got this. Hmm, yummy. They knew they had to hand this over. 
they said, okay, we've done enough bullshit this week. Let's, <laughs> let's have Steriline get together. Then we go over to the morgue. I guess this must be the Whitmore morgue because the Mystic Falls one would have had to be evacuated. The guy has a Whitmore logo on him too. Oh, good. I clocked. E- eagle-eyed viewers like Stephanie will notice. Alert comes in and the mortician says, not you. <laughs> he says, Mr. Saltzman, it's late. And Rick says, I want to see her. And the man says, look, I get it's your wife, but hospital policy says we can only keep the body cold for 30 days. That seems long. I don't know a lot about morgues. I mean, I think if like they don't know it, like if they're not going to embalm her, but I feel like like they know who she is. They can prep her for a funeral home. Like it's not like they're waiting for identification. That's true. So it's weird that they're keeping her. Yeah. Rick says a policy you were willing to break last month. Now I say we keep breaking it. And he gives him $100, which feels like such a small amount of money for what he's bribing him to do. Yeah, it feels like an insane deal. Like, this mortician should be charging more. (laughs) It should be minimum $1,000 a month, and even that is on the low end. Yeah, he should be extorting more money out of this guy. $100 is nothing. Like, that's one nice dinner. (laughs) That's one day's budget of bourbon for a lot. Yeah. The mortician says, you know, it's said that once you bury a body, the grieving process begins. And Rick says, well, I'm not planning on burying her. I'm planning on bringing her back to life. I have to ask, will he? You know, I was in deep denial about Joe being dead. Yeah. In the finale. I did not believe it at all. And then a couple of days later, I was like, mm, she's dead. I'm still hesitant on it because of all the reasons that I thought she wasn't dead last week. So I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, he will bring her back to life. And what's keeping you thinking that he'll bring her back to life? The twins, mostly? The twins. Again, because I don't foresee him meeting another woman. Because they kind of wrote Joe for him and then killed her. Yeah. So, I don't know. The mortician is freaked out by that comment. Because he's like, wait, so how long do you expect me to keep her here? (laughs) Yeah, until you bring her back. Give me a timeline on when you're going to bring her back to life. And also... It's cold in here, but, you know, there's still some decay happening. Yeah. Rick laughs and says, it's a morgue. It's called gallows humor. Now, can I see her? And it's like, that clearly wasn't a joke. <laughs> yeah. But the mortician's like, whatever, I got my hundred bucks. Yeah. Watch out, steakhouse. <laughs> yeah. I'll pay for half of a tomahawk. I'm going to Outback tonight. <laughs> and the mortician takes Rick in. We don't see Joe because they didn't want to pay the actress, I guess. Yeah, they didn't want to give her a check this week. We go over to the Salvatore house. Bo is looking in the mirror at a scar on his neck that's shaped like an X. Mm-hmm. Valerie sees and says, oh, you shouldn't hide your scar, Bo. You're a survivor. Be proud. Mm-hmm. Just interesting. Interesting. And seems to be just Bo who has the scar among the heretics, as far as we can tell. As far as we can tell so far. The door opens and Mary Louise says, Valerie, Bo, it's Malcolm. He's dead. Mary Louise and Nora are carrying Malcolm inside. Valerie says, oh my God, Malcolm. Mary Louise says, we found him in town. He was just lying there. And Nora says, don't let Lily see this. And then Lily comes in. Yeah, Lily's like, you rang? (laughs) And she sees it. And she says, Malcolm? No, no, no. She cries. She says, oh, sweetheart, my sweet boy. Who took him from us? Who did this? And she sobs. She's very sad. Clearly, he was one of her favorites. And she's looking at them like, who did this? And they're like, we don't fucking know. 
Well, wasn't us. <laughs> we go over to Whitmore. Caroline is writing in her vampire diary and narrating. Dear Elena, remember how I said everything was falling apart earlier? Maybe not everything. This is all in one day in this journal. Her entries are says like, the town is great. Actually, the town is horrible. Actually, it's great again. <laughs> it's like, Elena's reading this like, what the fuck happened this day? <laughs> Enzo appears. And he says, what is it with everyone's incessant need to write down every single thing? It's like, we know it's for Elena. Shut up. Let's stop referencing it. We get it. Like, let's use the narration sparingly, unlike this week. (laughs) Yeah. Carolyn says, this stalker thing is not even remotely charming. It's not really stalker for him to find you at the college he knows you go to. Yeah. That's pretty low level stalking. Enzo says, even if I'm here to tell you, you were right. And she says, especially to tell me I'm right, because I already knew that. He says, so word on the street is one of Lily's magical elves lost his heart. And Caroline says, what? And Enzo says, oh, you haven't heard? Yeah, someone killed Malcolm. I believe he was her eldest. Her eldest. The first one she turned out. Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny to refer to him like that. (laughs) Caroline says, who killed him? Because we had a deal. And Enzo says, yeah, trust is a fickle thing. It got me thinking. That if I want people to trust me, then I've got to earn it. I've been saying, Enzo. And I was like, Enzo, yay, bestie arrow with Caroline incoming. He's finally just going to be with her team so I don't have to fucking defend him every week. But no. He says, and that starts with choosing a side. So here I am. And she says, okay, good for you. I need to call Steph. Enzo injects Caroline with Vervain. And it's like, no, bro, no, not you. It's like, Enzo, stop. I can't do this with you anymore. You can't do this. You should be busy trying to date Bonnie. Stop this. Stop it. I need you to work with me here, Enzo, because I'm defending you, but you have to be, you have to be helping me. Enzo says, I reckon it goes without saying I chose Lily. Bad call. (laughs) It is a bad call. And then we go back to the flash forward from the beginning of the episode, three years in the future in Brooklyn. Damon has just woken up and says, I told you not to bother me till Elena was awake. So we know at some point in these, you know, mid three years, he chose to desiccate and wait for Elena. Stefan says, too bad, we got to go. And Damon says, why? Stefan quickly turns the coffin and arrows fly through the top of the coffin. And Damon says, oh, she's back. They start to run. There are gunshots. Damon got hit in his leg. You can see there's like a lot of pieces to the bullet. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, I guess she upped her game. We see a silhouette of someone. Of a sexy lady. Yes. Stefan says, my scar opened up this morning. He shows us the scar. It's bloody. It's open. And just so happens to be an X. Mm -hmm. Much like Bo. Much like Bo's. Eagle-eyed viewers will notice And Stefan says, I figured she was back. I didn't realize she was this close. And Damon says, you better get used to it, brother. She's not going to stop till you're dead. They run. And that is where we end the episode. So first question, who is that lady? So I know that this guest is coming largely from like her style, but also shooting arrows. Like I'm envisioning a Kate Urgent type from Teen Wolf. Allison Urgent? Kate Urgent. Who's Kate Urgent? Is she the mom? I'll get into it. I'm sorry. Okay. Let me say it. I don't remember who Kate Urgent is. That's why I'm going to explain it because I figure okay. most don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Want to say anything else? 
wait, I do remember uh, now. <laughs> so for people who haven't watched Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf is about the main wolf, Scott, and he dates this girl, Allison Urchant, and her family happens to be werewolf hunters. This is all pretty early in the show, so I'm not even, you know, cushioning it with spoilers. And to be fair, if you're listening to a Vampire Diaries podcast, I imagine you watch Teen Wolf. Yeah, I imagine you at least saw the first season. And Kate is Allison's aunt, who is like, ruthless like will kill anyone like any werewolf no remorse very connor jordan type but for werewolves so i'm envisioning her as like a kind of hunter who's like that but clearly the x is something different and the fact that Bo has one and she has one we have to raise the possibility of her being a vampire who hunts vampires even though we've kind of had that conversation before i think that's michael yeah so I'm not sure that that like hunter thing is enough to be separate. But you think she's a hunter of some kind? I think she's a hunter of some kind. I think there's some other magic part of her that makes her like, you know, leave these scars or she like mercs these scars in whatever way in captivity. And there's something magic going on that it reopens a scar on a vampire. Or it leaves a scar on a vampire period. So, but I'm envisioning a Kate Urgent type like ruthless hunter The other thing I'll raise, which is the polar opposite of that, and I think it's less likely, but I have to bring it up. We have a hunter. We have a sexy lady. Alurk's wife is dead. I mean, it could be girlfriend material for Alurk. Yeah, if we're going to give Alurk a new girlfriend. If we're going to give up on Joe, a hunter makes sense for him. So I just have to raise that possibility. I think that's a fair point. Let's talk other time jump expectations. First of all, like when slash why does Damon desiccate? Second of all, how long until we officially time jump? And third, what else has happened in this time jump? Like, let's just talk overall now that we know it's coming. Yeah, I do think we'll be fully in the time jump probably about halfway through the season, maybe even a little longer. We need like some reveals of how we get there. And I assume Damon desiccates like whenever the heretic thing is done. Sure. Like once they figure out what they do with that, whatever they do with it. And then he's probably like, well, we're kind of clear on that front. I'm going in. Yeah. Which for that reason, it may, the time jump may not actually hit all the way until season eight. Sure. But I think that's when he goes, when he decides to desiccate. Sure. So, and I do think in the interim time, we are jumping out of Whitmore. I think we'll sever that connection because- We'll quote unquote finish college, even though there's really no rule of when you finish college. But I think we'll move on from that. Yeah. And yeah, I do think in this time jump, the heretics are kind of in the past at that point. Sure. But I do think Enzo will still be around. Hopefully within three years, Bonnie and Enzo date. (laughs) Dare to dream. Let's just say it. I mean, if I keep guessing it, maybe it'll fucking happen. Yeah. So there's that. And I do think within those three years, I've said this a couple times in this episode, that Matt will have made his way up to Sheriff somehow. Yeah, somehow. Just because that's productive for them, even though he's an idiot. He couldn't even bust tables, but whatever. I think busting tables is probably more complicated than being Sheriff. Yeah, that's true. A cab. Overall, we've talked a lot about heretic first impressions. Let's talk more about, like, what do you think this heretic arc is going to look like? Mm-hmm. Who do you think is going to be our big characters? What's going to be our major conflicts? How are they going to relate to our group? Like, what are your heretic expectations? I do think we need to relate them to the group a little more. And I think Enzo is our way in for that. Because I think Enzo kind of serves as 
this like fly on the wall in this family, this new family member. So he'll get some insight that others wouldn't. And even though Enzo like quote unquote picked a side, I mean, he's kind of a snake, all love to him. Yeah, all love, love him for it. Love him for it, it's what he needs to do. But like, I don't think this side is by any means solid. And I think this family like won't necessarily want him around. Like they've been together for over a hundred years, just themselves. Like a new addition is not something they're really looking for. especially when one has died. And I think, you know, Lily has been this leader of them for so long. And I think the more they're in the real world, that grasp on them is going to get looser and looser just because clearly, I mean, Nora and Mary Louise alone, like are strong-willed. Yeah. It seems that Bo and Valerie are like close. And and I assume Bo will be kind of a major player in terms of what this scar means. So he'll stay connected and they all certainly will know what it means because they all love each other so goddamn much. But I don't think we're going to have all of the heretics forever. Like I do think we'll lose a couple more along the way at least. Sure. And they love to kill someone's girlfriend. So lesbians, it might be your time. Yeah. I'm in fear (laughs) for the lesbians. I'm in fear for the lesbians. I mean, a girlfriend is always fucking dying on this show. Like I can't, I can't ignore that. That's true. That's a good point. I do think Lily is not particularly long for this world either. Because though this is her family and she cares for them, like they can choose to kill her anytime. And if things get out of hand, I don't think that will be hard for them. And frankly, there's not really anyone else to stand up for Lily anyway. Sure. Any other expectations about season seven you want to talk about? I'm just, I'm interested to see how this shakes out. I, I hope there's some fun stuff in it. I think we'll find our way. I think this was a lot of information and a lot of exposition they had to do this episode. Yeah. And I think it's more than they usually do and it wasn't particularly well done, but that doesn't mean the season won't have some fun in it. That's true. And I'd like to see, let's use Enzo as a character growth mechanism for many people and, and let's get a Benenzo kiss. You with Steriline is me with Benenzo. Like, I'm like, let's fucking move. Like, I don't have all day. Yeah. I got places to be, people to see. Get them kissing. No, I get it. I see Steriline. I'm with it. Let's let's get the other two at this point, okay? Yeah. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.